Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rich. Ben joins us this week for a brand new MMA and wrestling edition of My Take Radio. We'll be talking about UFC Fight Night and also breaking down the MMA news of the week. On the wrestling side, I give you guys my Extreme Rules picks plus the wrestling news of the week. My Take Radio 288 starts right now. The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, guys? My Take Radio, episode 288, the MMA and Wrestling Edition, broadcasting live Wednesday, April 22nd, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. Sorry if I seem a bit distracted. We, um... Don't have any video this evening. If you are tuned into mtrlive.com or gfqlive.tv, I was supposed to get everything set up with Andrew. Uh, definitely a disconnect, but it's all good. Uh, I am recording video on this end, so there will be video on our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com forward slash mytakeradiotv and youtube.com forward slash official rageworks. But you can still listen to the show live using our audio feed. Uh, via Mixler, which if you're on mtrlive.com is the Mixler player right below, and you can mute the video for the time being. As always, you can participate, as I said, with the call-in number. You can also listen via that call-in number, just don't hit option one, and you will not be entered into the caller queue. Otherwise, if you want to catch the archives, you can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, and as I said, our video archives on YouTube, both on our My Take Radio channel and on our RageWorks channel. So, with that said, let's get into some housekeeping. We got some MMA on deck this week. We got some wrestling. Obviously, it's been, I think, two weeks since our last MMA and wrestling show. We have Extreme Rules this Sunday, which I'm going to get into. I'm going to share my thoughts on that. I'm also going to share my thoughts on Raw. I think that not doing MMA and wrestling for the last two weeks has been beneficial. Not so much on the wrestling side, because things have actually been going on. But on the MMA side, because things have been a little quiet, not in a bad way, but just not in a way that is definitely going to get anyone's attention. But nonetheless, this week we did have some good stuff. We did have a fight card this past weekend. We also had the return of the Ultimate Fighter, uh, Team American Top Team and Team Black Zillions. 
I did not get to check it out, obviously, because we were doing show prep. But I do want to get into it with Ben. Ben will be joining us to discuss MMA this week. And, of course, we are going to get into the UFC fight card. But before I get into that, I just wanted to get some housekeeping out of the way. As always, uh, first and foremost, we are making some updates on the back end of the site. So you are going to see some some slight slowness, not too much, nothing crazy, but enough that will be noticeable over the next couple of weeks. We are going to be adding some enhancements, more so on the back end for most of us that really won't affect you guys too much. The only thing you're going to see is a more prevalent source menu for us to source our content. That's one of those things that we definitely will be implementing just to be able to share news on a grander scale. Uh, The other thing I did want to talk about was Facebook's brand new algorithm, which rolled out earlier this week. I was notified about it by my colleague Danny from Royal Flush Magazine, and I also got further verification from a couple of other people. Basically, and this is something we've talked about before, any commentary or any stuff that we are posting is pretty much banished not banished but not getting premium exposure due to us refusing to pay facebook for advertising again this is one of the things on facebook's on facebook's part that they're doing to get more companies invested in advertising and this is good and bad again i understand the necessity for facebook to make money not that they don't have enough but if you do want to get your message seen you're gonna have to pay to play now this does not dissuade us from posting our content on either RageWorks or my take radio on the contrary that stuff will continue to be posted there but as i've said before we do want to try and find alternative methods to ensure that you guys are getting all of our content originally we were kind of gravitating more towards twitter but i know a lot of you guys aren't really huge twitter users same could be said for google plus so we're still trying to flesh out a way for everyone to get our content on a consistent basis. I know many of you that I'm friends with personally, obviously get updates from the site, from my personal Facebook account. Unfortunately for you, um, for many of you, I'm not exactly just running out there becoming friends with my entire listening audience, but I will say that I have enabled follow functionality. So you can follow me on Facebook. If you want to get the, Uh, All all the public posts, which are mostly all the stuff from the site. But nonetheless, we're still going to try and and fight the good fight and get our content out there. But Facebook is making it incredibly difficult. With regards to some of our shows on the RageWorks podcast network, I do want to extend some congratulations and kudos to the dynamic duo of Quark and Blade for their solid download numbers for their last episode of Buried. For those of you that are on the lookout for a new Buried episode, we were expecting one roughly after Extreme Rules, but it will be the week after. Uh, Both both Quark and Blade will be off break and be able to give you guys a brand new installment of The Buried Show. For those of you that are thoroughly enjoying Black is the New Black, uh, definitely props to Ben and Taylor for the great work they've been doing uh, every week, just going in there, pushing the pace having really engaging conversations, really funny conversations, especially when they go on the more random tangents. But for those of you that don't know, um, our very own Ben does have a show on the RageWorks Podcast Network. It is Black is the New Black. He hosts it with his friend Taylor. They cover sports, nerd shit, 
and hip hop. And of course, they go into some of the, uh, you know, some of the more real world scenarios, too. Uh, usually when they go into a, a more of a free flowing discussion, I recommend you guys check it out. If you already subscribe on iTunes, you will get access to Black is the New Black that way. Also, you can catch it on RageWorks.net as well, plus iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn Radio also. So definitely, if you're a fan of hip-hop, you want some really, really raw and unfiltered commentary on sports, or even just a lot of the the geek uh, culture and the, and the quote-unquote, let me use their, their, their expression for it, the nerd shit, uh, definitely give those guys a listen. They've been generating tremendous numbers. I'm very proud of those guys. Um, ben, Ben's been with us for a long time, uh, delivering great content, and I'm glad to offer him a platform for him to deliver his content to you guys. All right. Aside from that, uh, some coverage options, uh, well, some coverage news. We will be covering Special Edition NY, uh, I believe it's June 7th and 8th, here in New York City. Uh, definitely uh, one of the uh, pre-shows before New York Comic Con. We're going to be covering all the comic news, all the artists, all the great stuff that's there. We're going to try and get you a lot of video content this time around, a lot more um, comic-related stuff. We're going to try and do some giveaways that weekend, so be on the lookout for that. If you're if you are in New York City and you are attending Special Edition NY, always would love to uh, shake a listener's hand and say hello. So definitely look us up. Uh, we also will be at Consumer Electronics Week, uh, the se- the second to last week in June. I believe that's June 22nd through the 25th, and I'll be there covering that and giving you all the content from the show floor as well. With regards to product reviews, if you guys are looking for any of our latest product reviews, make sure to find them on RageWorks.net. We do have two reviews for a Tilt uh, wireless charger, which I'm reviewing for the Note 4. So if you're looking for wireless charging solutions, be on the lookout for that. If you're looking for a headset for your Xbox One, check out our Skull Candy review and all our other stuff on RageWorks.net. All right, without any further ado, let's get into this week's MMA we got a lot to discuss, so let's get that ball rolling, shall we? We want the gold, sucker! I definitely did not want to play that Booker T sound drop. <laughs> Shit just happens. But um, in any case... Uh, My Take Radio's MMA segment is brought to you by MMAWarehouse.com. Get all the latest and greatest gear for your MMA uh, needs, whether it's training or it was fighter t-shirts, rash guards, you name it, they got it. Make sure to check it out at MMAWarehouse.com. All right, so before we get into UFC Fight Night discussions, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the craziness in the world of MMA, obviously. Uh, This week, there is not a Bellator card. There will be a boxing card this week, but we will, um, I believe we will be having a Bellator event the week after, and I know for a fact that there's a a decent number of great UFC cards on deck. Uh, Lucha Lee just informed me that the new Ultimate Fighter is actually on now, and he's watching the season because it is on Fox Sports 1. Uh, Definitely let me know your initial thoughts lucha lee just because like i said i haven't been able to check it out i'm gonna i have it i believe on dvr and we'll see what the deal is but let me know 
Uh, different format, American Top Team versus Black Zillions. I'm curious to see how that unfolds, what presentation they use, and if it is any better than the previous seasons. As always, the Ultimate Fighter is an evolving process. We're, we are going to get into that, and I see that Ben is in the queue, so let me bring him in as well. Big Ben, what's up? What's up, man? Same old, same old, brother. We got a, a brand new uh, brand new week of MMA on deck. We had a solid UFC on Fox card. Um, a lot of really yep. solid finishes from start to finish. Before we get into some of the fights, what did you think of the card as a whole? Uh, it was a really good card. I, I really liked how that, um, and, and I don't know if this was on purpose, but kind of the passing of the guard kind of thing with this card. Right. A lot of really young fighters had really good showings, like Aldermaine Sterling and Max Holloway and even Paige Van Zandt. Like they had really good showing. So it was a really good card for them to build new stars. Yeah, there were there were some 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 solid card. It was a solid card. Some really really good uh, finishes and also some some really really shocking finishes as well. I mean, a lot of people were talking about the uh, the Chris Dempsey Eddie Gordon fight. Um, I was I was on the fence about it, not even because Eddie Gordon's a, a, a New York a New York product, but I was I was definitely split. That fight could have gone either way. Did you get to see that fight at all? Um, I saw it uh, after the fact. Um, I, I thought Eddie Gordon won. Um, it, it, it seems, and and this is kind of like Diego Sanchez uh, effect. Like it seems MMA judges don't know what effectively countering while walking backwards is. Right. They they seem to not understand what that is. Uh, you can be beating the shit out of someone, but if they're running towards you, they're winning. Yep. It's, it's stupid. But uh, and, that, and that's kind of the, the, the gist I got of this fight. I think Eddie Gordon should have, should have won this fight. Um, so it was kind of unfortunate. I was I was I was bummed and you know of course everybody in the Twitterverse and on social media were going real crazy about it. And like I said, you know, Eddie Gordon, awesome dude. He does a lot of really great stuff here in New York. Definitely uh, a good ambassador for the sport. So I was definitely bummed out. Uh that Diego Brandao Jimmy Hetz fight just I was like, "Oh my god," cuz it just it just ended just so terribly and so viciously. Um, what did you think? I didn't get the full picture until about an hour or two that somebody sent me a, uh, sent me a message and they were like, yo, look at the picture of this. I was like, Oh, it was just bad. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a bad ear injury, but it wasn't it to me, at least it wasn't bad enough to stop the entire. No, fight. definitely not. Like it was, it, it was bad enough that like, Oh shit. Like his ear is hanging off. But like, they, 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 the fight shouldn't have been called for that. It's not in his eyes. All it really, it looked like a cauliflower ear, excuse me, cauliflower ear that had burst. Like it, it, it was nasty, but it wasn't. It was superficial. And I, I thought them calling the fight was kind of bullshit, to be honest. Yeah, I was, I was severely let down by that. I kind of felt that going that direction really, I, it, it kind of just looked like the judges didn't have. An un, not the judges. The doctor just was being over cautious. I mean, I understand if if the guy mm -hmm. if the guy goes for a grab and rips off the guy's ear just because there's not you don't need a lot of pressure to rip off a human ear. But still, yeah. it's like you look at it, and you're just like, all right. I, I, it was unfortunate, but uh, like I said, I look at both sides. It was just like, all right, did it really, really? I mean, you couldn't tape it back on. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you didn't even have to do that. Like just. Finish the fight and then stitch him up. Like 
it wasn't it wasn't bad enough that it really it it really warranted any real rea- well, it warranted reaction, but it not the reaction that it got, not calling the fight. No, definitely. I mean, you know, it was it was just one of those things where I think the commission was just trying to be safe. And I, I thought about it in the in the grand scheme of things. And in terms of just, you know, trying to get a sanction here in New York, maybe they just wanted to be cautious in case anybody was watching, you know, like, oh, this is the kind of stuff that they let happen. Not to say that that was the case, but it was something that did cross my mind because I said, yeah, we're kind of in a little bit of a. Uh, you know, of a of a delicate of a delicate bit of ground here in terms of getting it sanctioned, and you know, letting a guy fight on national television with his ear hanging off may not be the move. And I don't know if Fox might have been too cool with that either. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't one of the fights on Fox too. But I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Fox Fox does do this uh, paint over where blood spots are. Yep between commercial breaks so maybe it was Fox maybe that kind of nudged I was you know you mentioned Aljamain Sterling I was really really shocked Akea Mitsugaki is not a slouch by any means and um, Aljamain Sterling really beautiful technique great arm triangle choke to take the victory in the third round it was good too because it went it was Sterling really getting comfortable in that fight and showing us just a new dimension of striking against a more established uh, established fighter in Takei Mitsugaki. It was definitely not something you see on the regular, especially from from somebody just taking yeah. one of the one of, you know, a, a fighter of of Mitsugaki's caliber to to th- through the paces. Yeah, Alderman Sterling um is a blue chip prospect. Right. Um he 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 I would be surprised unless like he has some dramatic um, flaw that we haven't seen yet that he does. If he doesn't fight for a title one day, um, he, he just has it. He understands how to fight. Um, not, there's only been one other guy that's, uh, ever got a arm triangle from the bottom in, in the UFC. And that was Chuck Liddell. Right. Or not Chuck Liddell. Uh, he got tapped by Jeremy Evans. I think not Jeremy Evans. The dude that his nickname was Gumby. It was a long no, time no, ago. No. It happened a long time oh, ago. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know the guy. Yeah, yeah, it happened a long time ago. Like, it's not a submission that's normally able to get pulled off. And, uh, he did it relatively easily. And Takeo Mizugaki is not somebody who gets tapped. So, uh, I was really, really impressed by him in this fight. Yeah, I was, I was, um, thoroughly impressed. I'm trying to find just to see if I could pull that up. Um, no, there's way too many videos that come up. Definitely not. But yeah, it was to get to get that type of a choke in 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 such in, not only in, in in a clean position, but with a with such a good grip from you know from the bottom was just crazy. Yeah, and it was Jeremy Horn. Jeremy Horn did it. Um, yeah, um, it was crazy. Um, so I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, what Alderman Sterling does in the future. Um, I, I just think, especially the bantamweight, he he has. A real opportunity to move up really fast. <laughs> he does. I mean, the bantamweight division is 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 open, but it's also you know when you start getting into that deeper water, you start seeing some real some real killers up there too. And I mean, Takei Mitsugaki was ranked number six, and he dispatched him. Yeah, you know, Mitsugaki is. Yeah, he's he's right up there. He's the he is the gatekeeper to the stars. He if you beat him, you deserve one of these top five guys, and clearly Alderman does. Yeah, I was the other fight that surprised me, man. Uh, Gian Vellante looked really good 
in his fight. Nasty, nasty finish uh, with the TKO. Dropping Anderson. He used that left hook with the setup for the combos. And then after that, he was just putting it on him. Yeah, yeah. He had Corey Anderson completely knocked out standing straight up. Yep. Um, it, it, was a, it was a really good performance from Gian Vellante. Yeah, I was I was I was impressed with that. I also was impressed with OSP's beautiful knockout in that first round of Patrick Cummins. I mean, it was funny because all the all the shit talking that that Patrick Cummins did about Daniel Cormier, and of course, you know, they go to Cormier and Cormier's like, you know, he's a great wrestling prospect. You know, it was just funny to me that Cormier was putting him over, even though the dude was was, was coming for him. And, um, you know, OSP put that dude to sleep. I was like, oh, it was, it was, it was awful. It was just a, he, he went, he went, he lunged forward and he just ate a clean, nasty left uppercut. I was like, oh, that guy's, that guy's sleeping. Yeah. OSP hits really, really hard. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that, that much is certain. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, I was surprised at how easily OSP was able to get up every time he was taken down. Yep. Um, Which is crazy. He really never gave, uh, yeah, never really never gave Cummins any real opportunity to do what he wanted to do because once once he wasn't able to take you down, Pat Cummins is not a good enough striker to really make you worry about his stand up. So, right. um, I was really impressed with OSP. Um, I don't think he's a top tier light heavyweight, but he, he can give some 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 of the lower top ten guys some really good fights. Would you give? OSP a fight with Rampage. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't see any problem with that fight. Yep. I, personally, I would like to see Shogun Rampage three. Oh, I'd love to see um, that. But I mean, I kind of think I know how <laughs> it would end. Yeah. But I would like to see it. Yep. But uh, yeah, I, I would love to see it. But I mean, that both are not what they were at that time. But Shogun's chin is just gone so but yeah, but, uh yeah I, I would like to see this huh no i, I agree with you and i th- and i think rampage is always kind of angled to get that fight yeah he always I mentions mean, it i mean to, or no not 32 i mean to tell the truth the first fight he he shouldn't have been fighting like, like I think his, I believe his arm was broken going into that fight. Like it was during the tournament. I believe his arm was broken. There was a couple things wrong with him. So he, right. and he kind of just quit in the fight. And uh, to to Rampage's credit, he was not knocked out. He got his ass beat, but he wasn't knocked out. And I, I kind of feel like he wants that back. Like the only mm-hmm. person that ever really knocked him out is Vandalay, and that was with a million knees. But, um. Yeah, I, I I would like I really would like to see that fight. But you know what the thing was the Vanderlei um, Rampage fight, like dude, that was that was just a different era. Like even if Rampage were like, yo, I want to get that back, it's like, dude, that was a different era. You guys were just on totally different levels on that at that time. It was mayhem, and back probably then. both on lots of steroids. Yeah, or, or <laughs> you know, God knows what was going on over there, dude. But it's like, yo, I want to run that back. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't. It's like too I much mean, time has passed. They ran it back, and it was clear that yeah. <laughs> Vandalay was not that Vandalay anymore. Exactly. And Rampage at that time was really, really good. That was when Rampage was possibly the best light heavyweight in the world. Right. So. I mean, that, that, it was a different time by then. So, right. you know, 
I mean, if if we if we had a masters division, then sure, you know, run that back. But there's no necessity for Vanderlei to get years knocked off his life if he gets knocked out by Rampage, or let's let's swing that pendulum the other way. If if Vanderlei decides, yo, I'm gonna clinch and I'm just gonna put it on you, Rampage doesn't need that either. <laughs> he doesn't need a, to be in somebody's yeah. highlight reel. He's been trying hard not to be for the longest time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Poor bastard. I, 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 you know, I'm definitely gonna talk about his injunction and him fighting uh, this weekend. We'll get into that. Um, I do, I do want to say I was, I was really heartbroken to see Jim Miller lose in Jersey, but I almost feel like mm-hmm. every, every card that happens in Jersey, Jim Miller fights, like it's almost like a certainty. Mm-hmm. I was, I was um, bummed, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh. Though, I mean, it's a bit disappointing that he lost. Um, he got schooled by Benel De La Rue, Yep. I believe I'm asking his name correctly. Uh, like, but, like, I mean, um, the first time I saw De La Rue, he was getting knocked out. Yep. But, like, since then, he looked really, really, really good. And to be able to beat a guy like Jim Miller on the ground really shows the difference between a good MMA jiu-jitsu player and a dude that's just really great at jiu-jitsu. Yep, who breathes and, 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 and he can strike. Yeah, yeah and he can strike. So, yep. Yes. So, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to what they do with uh, De La Rouge. Uh, De, uh, Benel De La Rouge. Uh, I, I guess I'm pronouncing da- it right. Darius, you're close. You were close. It's all <laughs> Darius. Good. There you go. Yeah. But, now, but uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with him because he, he is really, really good. Yeah, he, he definitely impressed me. Um, jumping into the main card, Felice Herrick, Paige Van Zant. But let me let me preface this fight <laughs> before we even talk about it. The internet is a crazy fucking place, and before this fight, <laughs> this before this fight even went down, it was like, oh, the two hot chicks are gonna fight, and blah blah blah. And then it was funny because a guy who's been on the show, who who's an MMA fighter. He was just like, yo, is it wrong that I'm trying not to look when the camera zooms in a wrong, uh, 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 you know, a, a certain way? And it was just funny the way that he put that on Facebook because it's like that entire fight was just built on innuendo. And and not from not from the organization, which is crazy, but just everybody else. Plus, Joe Rogan, every few minutes, he's like, you know, Paige Van Zandt, that girl, that little girl could. I'm like, dude, she is like 21 years old. Like, Joe Rogan's really just like, yeah. Joe Rogan's she really just like. definitely a grown up. Yeah, he's really like dadding it up. <laughs> like, he was just like, yo, that little girl, it can get. I was like, what the fuck? But then again, Joe Rogan's like, isn't he like 50? Like, Joe Rogan's not young. I don't know. It was but, um, funny though. It was just a, 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 an awkward situation building up to this fight. Yeah, the, the, the fight came off a bit awkward. I, I'll say this about the fight: like the fight itself wasn't terrible. No, no, um, not by a long shot. Paige Van Zant did a really good job of just being more energetic. Like that—that that was really her. Her her style. She's a really good athlete. I've said this before. She's an excellent athlete. Right. And she, she still doesn't do anything particularly well. That's just not. But she out asked. She wanted. It seemed like she wanted it more than Felice Heron. Well, here's, she was able to. Okay. No, no. What I was gonna say is Paige Van Zandt's fighting style. I'm gonna come at you like a spider monkey. 
yeah, like that was it. That was what she was doing. Like she was, <laughs> she was just like, I'm going to just be on you. And and that works against someone like Felice Herring. Felice Herring is a good journeywoman fighter, but she, I mean, she's not great. A lot of her notoriety comes from her being really good at marketing herself. Right. Um, but uh, Paige VanZant did a really good job in this fight, and like I saw scorecards like thirty twenty six and stuff like that. That being said, I saw some people say, "Oh yeah, give her to uh, JJ." JJ would beat the fuck out of Paige VanZant. That but, wouldn't even be a fight. Right. Don't but, do that girl like that. <laughs> no, I I agree a hundred percent. But the problem is that here's here's the thing. Paige VanZant came into the sport and. I commend her her dedication. You know, she's like, yo, if, even if I gotta get in, the, mm-hmm. get in there as a ring go, as a ring girl first, you know, the, the 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 young the the woman's dedication to get into the sport was admirable, and she knew that the only way that she was gonna get in there was to was to you know market market herself accordingly. And Dana White is a sucker for that. <laughs> let's be let's be realistic. Dana White's a sucker for that, and Reebok. As much as I hate to say a Reebok is like, oh look, it's another it's another pretty face that we can market. And that's great. Yeah. You know, it's not like you it's not like Maybelline is knocking on the UFC's door like, yo, we want to put makeup on these chicks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So the the UFC Oh, I have no problem with the okay. No, what I was saying is the UFC's running running the with the ball that they have. You know what I mean? They're they're playing the game with the cards that they're dealt. But you know, when you look at the big picture and you look at the Reebok deal it, it it definitely raised a lot of eyebrows, which again totally warranted. But at the end of the day, deals don't mean shit if you can't get the job done in the cage. So, you know, she could have got in there and got her ass kicked, but she didn't. Here's my thing with her, right? So you get all this hype, and you're the first female fighter uh, to get this rebound deal in that division, right? That automatically puts one a bullseye on your back from yep. all these other girls, and two, it gives you expectations that you are not ready for. Mm-hmm. When you already have you 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 got the sponsorship that the champion should have, right? So now people are looking at you like, okay, you got this, you got the sponsorship. Now go fight the champion. Like it shouldn't be like th- that's why if I was her manager, I'd be like, hey, like cool, we got a rebound deal, but like. Let's not make a big thing out of it. Because as I soon agree. as we do, you now have expectations that you need to go fight the champion. And you are not ready. Like, she she is not prepared for J.J., Colin Sparza, nope. Michelle Watterson, whatever she gets to you. She is not prepared for those girls. She's not prepared for Joanne Calderwood, who just lost. Nope. The, the girl who beat Joanne Calderwood. She's not prepared for these girls. Rose nope. Amajunas will beat her ass. Like, she, she has talent. She... She might develop into a good fight, a really good fighter. Absolutely, but not yet. She is not prepared yet for these girls in the top five, six, seven girls. She Angela Hill would probably beat her. Like there's a bunch of these girls, but most of the girls on the show would beat her. Right, and I, that, and I, mean, I that, agree. That's just yeah, and and that's just being 100 percent honest. Like she is just not prepared for all the notoriety from a fight standpoint. Now maybe from a personal standpoint she is, but from a fight standpoint she is not prepared for all the notoriety that getting the rebound deal is given is going to give her. Oh no, absolutely not. But you know what it is? I I I took something away from when she won the fight and she was like, you know, every 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 time I get in this cage is an opportunity where I have to prove myself. And I said to myself, that is the right wording 
every time you get in there for the time being, it's a matter of proving yourself. Don't get me wrong. If you're on a level like Ronda is and, you know, you got every fight is a finish and whatever, that's great. But, you know, you're coming in, you're four and one and Reebok is like, all right, we're just going to slap these shoes on you. And um, we're going to we're going to get we're going to make this money off of you. Okay, great. That's all well and good. But like you said, there's a there's a sense, there's an expectation that comes with that, that it's too much too soon. And again, that's, you know, that's up to Reebok's marketing department and how they tackle that. But that created unnecessary stress for a fledgling fighter. Yeah, so, I mean, this would be like John Jones getting his Reebok sponsorship right after he fought Andre Guzman. Yep. That would that would be exactly the same thing, and he wasn't ready for it then. Yep, and it can be argued that he really ain't ready for it now. But like, it's just it's just like you can't. It, I just don't think it was a good idea for at least her management team to not ex- accepting it was fine because that's money, you know. But advertising fire. it, mentioning but, it, yeah, making it a thing. Yep, and like her being so defiant, like I deserve this. You really don't know. <laughs> like you nope. really haven't done anything to deserve it yet. Nope. So like her being so defiant, like I deserve, like no, you don't. Like it's it's uh, like it just is what it is. Like these other girls are better than you. Well, and it is what it is. Well, here's the thing that got me too. After the fight was over, you know, you see a lot of MMA <laughs> armchair analysis about Felice Herrick's performance, and Felice Herrick didn't make any excuses. She went on on social media because hello, that's what she does. And um, she was just like, yo, (laughs) she was just like, yo, I had an adrenaline dump in that second round. I couldn't get out of the gate. And you know what it is? That Mm. just, that's just a testament to good, um, you know, just good sportsmanship. She's like, yo, I got no excuses. I went out there. Chick was a beast. I, I, you know, I, my adrenaline just took a dump and she was just, again, she's using the swarm. Which now that she's done it mm-hmm. and she's used it in a fight, everybody's gonna watch tape and they're gonna be like, "Yo, be ready for the swarm, be ready, keep her yeah, stand, keep her standing." That's not gonna work against really good fighters. It's just not. It's, yep. You can't. You cannot do that to. I'm just go back champion. Try doing that against JJ. You will get knocked out. Well, she used textbook. She took out. alpha male offense, dude. T- tell me if I'm wrong. She took textbook alpha male wrestling offense. Smother well, and cover. The, the, the thing with her, though, is she's not a good enough wrestler yep. to do. Uriah Faber can do that to a lot. Chad Mendes and Uriah Faber can do that to a lot of dudes. Absolutely. She's not a good enough wrestler to do that to a lot of people. She's decent. Right. She's not them. So, right. I mean, she, like I said, she might develop. Might develop into a really good fighter but like even when i watched her, i saw a lot of flaws in her stand-up that would get her hurt she's stepping with the wrong foot when she punches it's, just, it's a lot of flaws in the way she she fights that against better fighters is you can't do absolutely absolutely 110 so, percent. but it was like i said yeah. there was so much that went into this fight and i just i watched it and i'm like okay and it was just, it was just like, yo, this chick really, she, she put on, she put on a clinic, but it was a clinic from the, 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 what I just said, you know, the, the, the smother and cover. Like she knew she's like, mm-hmm. yo, I'm gonna stay on this chick because we all know Felice Herrick's bread and butter is striking. I'm not going to sit here and strike with this chick not happening, but 
I also know that her wrestling isn't exactly, you know, A-class either. So let me, you again, you're, you're coming in there to win a fight. So if it's not pretty, fuck it. But we know we know that the game plan was, Alpha Male's game plan is like, look, don't stand with this chick because she's going to take it to you. Work that ground, you know, get her on the ground, try and work that ground game. And it was crazy because some of the some of the takedowns and some of the scrambles, I'm like, yo, how is she beating Felice Herrick to these scrambles? And then I thought about it, I'm like, because Felice Herrick is a Muay Thai specialist. And yeah, she could work ground game and, and I could sit here and play, you know, MMA analyst too. And it's like, yeah, she works a lot of ground game, but you're not working the same level of ground game that they're working in fucking alpha male. <laughs> yeah, and, and also there was a couple times like when she was trying to she would try for a uh, head and arm throw and, like, completely give up her back. Yep. Like, um, that's not going to work against better fighters. Nope. Just, like, like, you cannot do that. So, I mean, like I said, maybe she develops into something great. Uh, I not I don't know yet. Um, but, you know, wait and see. I'll tell you what, though. That Max Holloway Cub Swanson fight was dynamite. <laughs> yeah. Um, Max Holloway, um, Holy shit, it, it's really dude. cool to see someone develop so much in the UFC. Yep. Uh, from the time he fought Dustin Poirier to now, um, this is a completely different fighter. Absolutely. Um, he, he did a really good job of, first of all, he did an excellent job of taking Cub Swanson completely out of what Cub Swanson wanted to do. Absolutely. Um, and also show like what the difference in, what's the difference between a, Really, uh, I guess, powerful striker who doesn't have great fundamentals from someone who has excellent fundamentals. Might not hit as hard as you, right. but he has excellent fundamentals. I um, agree. Cub Swanson like, really re- relies on like kind of leaping in at you and right. you not really being able to tell where his punches are coming from. He couldn't do that against Max Holloway because a lot of times Max Holloway would hit, and it was a couple times in the fight, where Max Holloway would hit this sweet angle where he like, Cub Swanson would come in with a punch. Max Holloway would just pivot and basically be behind him. Yep. And like leg kick him. And like you could see on Cub Swanson's face, like, what the fuck? How did he get there? And that right. and that is it it was exciting watching I, I just love striking like that. Like it was exciting watching someone who could do that. Um because not every MMA fighter can do that. Um very yeah, dynamic. Max Holloway showed a lot Yeah, he showed a lot of stuff in this fight. Absolutely. Um I think I, I would be surprised if he never fights for the title at 145. And I'll be surprised if him and Conor McGregor don't fight again because, I mean, they were both hurt in that fight. Right. And that was a fight that Conor McGregor showed that he could at least offensively uh, wrestle. <clears throat> and um, so, I mean, I would be really interested to see what a second fight between the two of them looks like um, just because I, I think it would look different. Um, True. Because, he, I mean, to be honest, he was the only dude caught – Conor McGregor didn't walk through right. um, in the UFC yet. And they were both hurt in that fight. So I would be interested to see what it looks like if they're both healthy. Um, hell, I would love to see him fight Jose Aldo. The only thing with Max Holloway for me is he hasn't fought like one of the rest, the really powerful wrestlers in the division yet. Right. Um, he hasn't fought, you know, a, a Chad Mendez. He hasn't fought a Frankie Edgar. And I would be interested to see what those fights look like. But, uh, Outside of that, like I, I, th- I really think he beats just about anybody in the division. Maybe outside the top four guys. 
Well, he looked he looked really impressive, Cub Swanson. The thing about Cub Swanson also is Cub <laughs> Swanson has that really really frenetic striking pace where he likes to rush in hit the combos. He likes to pop in, hit a couple, you know, he wants to do the punches and bunches and then pop in and pop out. The problem was that when he was Mm -hmm. trying to get out of the blocks, like you were saying, Holloway was already working the angles and he was like, Nope, not going to work. And every time he tried to, to come in and get punches and bunches, he'd only hit one or two and Holloway would just get, get three or four in from, from like you were saying from the angles. So the thing was that, that Cub Swanson, as much as he wanted to fight his fight, the dude had him well, well scouted. He did. He did. And I, w- I don't want to say like Cub Swanson is done per se, but the kind of beating he took from Frankie Edgar over 25 minutes and quitting basically at the end, just to be honest, he quit. Like at the end of that Frankie Edgar fight, he kind of quit. And Not even kind of quit. He quit. And like that, I don't, that takes a lot of other fighter. To mm-hmm. get beat up like that for 25 straight minutes and quit. And just because I kind of feel like if you're a fighter, like your very next fight, you need to, you don't even got to win by knockout, but you need to establish, like, I'm still that same guy that came into that fight. Right. I'm still that dude. And he didn't seem like, and it was because of Max Holloway. It wasn't because Chad, I mean, not Chad, uh, Cub didn't try. It was just like, Max Holloway didn't give him a chance to yep, get out of the gate, gain that confidence. Nope. Yeah. And, and I, I kind of feel like he kind of, there was a couple of times in the third round where he, he legit looked like I would be doing anything else, but this if I could. Right. And it, it's kind of sad to see. Cause I, I like Cub Swanson. Yeah. Cub Swanson's a, a very exciting fighter to watch. Very dynamic. Looks good in there. But again, you know, it's like anything else. It's all about the reinvention process. And especially you and I at the, at the different stages that we came into the sport and watching it evolve is just incredible. Like you see some of these guys, they were dominant six months, a year or two ago. Now they're coming in and the dudes that were kind of getting their ass kicked are coming in and just putting on real work, real work. Yeah. Yeah, it was it it was really it's like I said it's it's fun to see the fighter that Max Holloway has developed into. I agree a hundred percent. Switching gears into that co-main with Chris Camozzi and Jacare. Before we talk about this, I got to give Chris Camozzi credit for the guy stepping in on six days' notice. I don't give a shit what anybody says. You're stepping in there with a guy who is, for all intents and purposes, the next in line for a title opportunity. On paper, I, I I I disagree with that, but it, but it's not because of anything Jacare did. Okay, it's not Jacare's fault. He fought Chris Camozzi. True, at all. <laughs> no, I agree. So, uh, yeah, I just, I just feel like, and we'll, we'll talk about the fight. Yeah. I just feel like Luke Rocco probably earned himself <laughs> a title shot. No, I I I get what I get what you're saying. The reason I say this is because Jacare, again, MMA math at work is was considered the number one dude going into this fight the yoel romero fight when you and i were talking about this fight being announced we were super amped because we're like yo this is going to be the fight right here good bad or otherwise Mm -hmm. this is going to give us the next guy and then obviously yoel romero dropping out kamozi taking the fight on six days notice Uh, kamozi could have gone in there and laid down and lost and dude on six days notice shit you know, guy got off his couch. Yo, I'm going to cut weight in six days and get ready to take this fight. 
not to say that he couldn't have come in and and won, but you know this is Jacare is not a guy that you that you walk in on six days and think yo unless you get lucky and you crack him you know and he just goes to sleep. But again, this is a guy who's amazing on the ground. His stand up is no joke. This is a guy that you got to watch tape for. And he already beat him. Like he already <laughs> exactly. beat Chris Mullen. Which 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 was already in the back of his mind, you know, like he's like shit. I let me let me take this fight. I think I could take this dude. I remember how he beat me. And again, like like Joe Rogan and them were saying, Chris Camozzi had all the cards here, and Jacare had the most to lose. If Jacare would have lost that fight, everybody was like, oh shit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um. I I feel sorry for Jacare in the sense that he didn't get the Yoru medal fight. Uh. But, I mean, in this fight, which he should have won, uh, he did exactly what he should have done. Yep. He was beating him on the feet. It was, it was like, not dumping him all across the ring, but he was clearly winning the, the stands on the feet. Right. When he decided to get a takedown, he got it almost instantly, passed guard, and tapped him in almost one motion. So Well, well it was clean <laughs> and it was safe. That was the thing, because um, I believe it was Middle Easy showed like like that transition that he did, and everybody was just like, "Oh shit," you know, because it was like you had to I had to watch it in slow mo because the transition was so seamless that the guy had to verbally tap, you know. Yeah, like I mean, he basically passed his guard by do- <laughs> walking on the cage right into an armbar. Like, not not everybody can do that. Doctor Ray is an otherworldly. Jiu-Jitsu player. He he is a freak. He, he's a great athlete who's also amazing at Jiu-Jitsu. Yep. So he did what he was supposed to do. It sucks that this wasn't against Joe Romero because then you'd be like, well, dude, I beat you like, I think Joe Romero was like the number three ranked uh, middleweight, three or four. Yeah, I um, so. I beat him. You know, I deserve a title shot. It, it, you can't really... <laughs> You you can't really say that with fighting Chris Camozzi, who wasn't even in the UFC at the time. So right, UFC did him it, a solid. Sucks. Yeah, it, it's it really really sucks for Jacare in that sense, but I, I have a feeling that he'll he'll still be able to fight for a title one day. This might not be the next guy. Well, I'm looking at the at the rankings, and I wanted I'm trying to pull him up for um, middleweight if they actually give him to me. In order, I swear the UFC site is navigates like shit, because <laughs> it doesn't even have like usually you know there's the list of 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 pound for pound. Oh, here we go. Let me pull this shit up because I want to see what the deal is. All right, so at middleweight right now, Luke Rockhold is number one, Jacare is number two, Vitor is number three. Make your make your. <laughs> <laughs> Make your cases about it any way you slice it, but Yoa Romero was number six. I don't even understand how he's number six. <laughs> Who's ahead of him? Who, uh, who are the two middleweights ahead of Yoa Romero? Leoto Machida and Anderson Silva. <laughs> First of all, I don't understand why Anderson Silva was ranked, and because uh, he's not fighting for that title again, and. <sighs> <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm guessing Lyoto's going to be moved down. Well, Lyoto, according to this ranking, already dropped two. And and here's the oh, thing. Well, no. here's yeah. There's a red arrow that says drop two. And here's another thing. Jacare dropped one from one to two, and Luke Rockhold went up three. 
Like, well, wh- like, I mean, what are they doing over there, dude, with the rankings? First of all, I, I, I don't understand <laughs> his rankings. I don't, I don't even understand why Anderson Silva still ranked when he's not going to fight for that title um, ever again. <laughs> and I don't understand how Yoda Machida, a dude who we'll get into in a second, straight got bitched ahead <laughs> of your Romero, but yep. Yeah. Well, let's let's get into that since since you know Luke Rockhold came in and um, Luke Rockhold. I've always felt he's he's a cool dude. I always like to like to watch him fight. He's definitely turned up the personality the last couple of months. I and and I think part of the reason is because hey, I got to make myself personable and memorable so that motherfuckers look at me for a title shot. Don't blame him. Because let's think about some it. Of, and also, I think some of his personality not having, I feel like some of that was strike force and their terrible promotion, Surfer versus Sniper. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> this, the dirty... <laughs> it felt like an episode of Deadliest Warrior. <laughs> what? So, but I, I feel like I feel like that stigma carried with him because Strike Force didn't know what the hell they were doing. Right, I agree. But he 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 did take it to to Lyoto Machida. He did take it. I was like, when he hit Lyoto Machida with that elbow, and Machida got up and he didn't know where the fuck he was. I said, "Well, we know where this is going." <laughs> yeah. Um. He. The fact, the the way he went about doing it, uh, the the physically basically dominate Lyoto that way, uh, was really impressive. Um, I mean, Lyoto's been beat, yes, uh, <laughs> two times. He didn't and lose. Both memorable. He just was. Yeah, those <laughs> two times he didn't lose, but it was kind of his losses, Phil Davis and Rampage. But like uh, the, the the times that he's lost, he's been winning large chunks of the fight. Yep. John Jones, he clearly won the first round. Um, you know, fights like that. In this fight, he didn't win a minute. Well, he might have won the first 30, 45 seconds. And then Luke Rockhold kind of, I don't even know if that punch really landed or it just like hit him in a weird angle or his arm hit him in a weird angle and just kind of threw off his equilibrium. But once Luke Rockhold got him to the ground, it was over. Like it, it, it Luke Rockhold's huge for 185. Yep. Absolutely massive. And he was, yeah, and it kind of, kind of makes you wonder, like, should Leo, not now, but if Leoto, like, started fighting, like, he was a 21-year-old fighter now, would he be fighting at 170? Because the the way he was being bullied around the cage, well, the Guaco really made you wonder, like, are you even strong enough for this division? Um, Interesting. But yeah, Luke Guaco did a really good job, did a really good job of, basically just keeping him down and beating the hell out of him. Yep. Um, and that elbow at the end of the round, like, really... It goes back to what I was saying about the Anthony Pettis fight. Corners in MMA really should think about... Think more about the welfare of their fighters. Absolutely. What the fuck was Leota going to do when he came out? Like, when... when <laughs> there was nothing Leota was going to do to change that fight. He was clearly concussed. At that point, you throw in the towel. Uh, personally, I would like to see more MMA coaches and and corners really you know you are there for the protection of your fighter right he was not going to win that fight nope he just wasn't you gotta sometimes you gotta cut your losses and but i mean that's beside the point luke rocco did a really good job i like the little i guess you call it promo that he cut 
at the end, you know, yeah. saying like, "Wow, well, I mean, you gotta you do your job. I just did mine. Let's let's make history of Madison Square Garden, which I think would be cool." Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think he did a really good job. I find it amusing how like dismissive of Vitor Belfort he is. Yep, and I understand why he's like that because I would be too. Dude, we all say enough if he makes me in the head. Well, no, we're all saying the same thing, and you and I have said this on numerous shows. Like, yo, Vitor's fighting Weidman, maybe. <laughs> you know, like, that dude still has to make it. He's still got to make it there, you know? He could he could trip and fall tomorrow, you know? He, he got he to he keep... Or get popped. That's it. Keep Cheez-Its <laughs> in his back pocket, kid. You got to pray to Cheez-Its. <laughs> yeah, and, and also, I, I understand why Luke... Because Luke Rocco, like, I, I watched an interview recently... He hates Vitor Belfort. So I can completely understand why. Like, you are clearly on something yep. when you beat me. Like, I would hate you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, um, And he's part of Vitor's yeah, highlight so reel, you know? Yeah, and, like, and like I, 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 I feel like Luke Rockhold on a completely even playing field would beat the shit out of Vitor Belfort. Probably. And I feel kind of bad for him that he's now on his highlight reel when he was TRT- Vitor Belfour <laughs> and super big. So um, I feel badly about that. But um, I, I think Chris Wyman beats Vitor. I don't even think if the fight happens, I don't even think the fight will be relatively close. So <laughs> so I you would really like is, the Chris Wyman lose Brocco fight. Well, you know what the thing is? As much as we know that Weidman could beat Vitor, I don't want to write Vitor off either. Because I always think of the same thing where if you strip away the, the, the chemicals, the guy still has fucking technique. Like, I always, like, don't get me wrong. Vitor is very unlikable because he approaches the shit like he does nothing wrong. And it's like, dude, you fucked up multiple times and stop trying to play it off like you haven't. At least be, at least be aware of what you do. It's like, have you ever seen, no, you ever seen, no um, self-awareness. well, have you seen, you have you've seen better call Saul, right? Have you seen it at all? Yeah, I've seen it. Well, you've I've seen, seen the parts, I, haven't, I haven't watched all of them yet. Well, you've seen the, have you seen the first couple episodes when he was trying to represent the people that allegedly stole that money? Yeah. And the dude's wife is like, what money? Well, let's say for instance, <laughs> that the money was stolen. Like that's Vitor. He's like, so, okay. So let's see if, if, you know. If 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 I if I if I did juice, if I did, you know, that has no bear. And it's like, dude, but you did, <laughs> you know, like like that's really Multiple times. Yeah, and that's how he tries to deliver it, which is the thing that gets me. It's like, yo, it's okay, it's all right, it's okay. Just like like you were saying, no self awareness. And again, Weidman could beat him, but it's like Weidman if he were to lose to him. Weidman probably is like, you better fucking be clean if I love, oh, if I man, love. <laughs> Weidman would be at this man's house in Brazil waiting on him if that, if oh he could not. Dude, like, just a, a, a plane with him, Matt, Sarah, and Ray Longo. <laughs> just, just waiting outside Vitor Belfort's house in Brazil. Like, like I mean, honestly, I, I would be really upset if I was any of these. Um, and on, on that, uh, in that little that what it was three, three fight win streak. Yep. That three fight win streak, he went all the way. He was knocking out everybody. If I was any of those three dudes, I would be furious because that is not the that is not Vitor Bell. That is not 
the Vitor Belfort he was before he fought John Jones. Nope. And then after the John Jones fight, he comes back on TRT and is spin kicking everybody. Yep. So, you know, I just, I don't know, man. It's just, it's, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where uh, on paper we'd love to see Rockhold and Weidman, and don't get me wrong, as a New Yorker in Madison Square Garden, I'd love to see history be made. Don't 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 misunderstand. It would be amazing. But I also know that Vitor, uh, you know, in 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 the MMA in the MMA scheme of things, according to MMA math, is next. But Dana White better be better better make sure that that fight goes off without a hitch at the beginning, during, and at the end. Because if Vitor manages to squeak out a win and take that title, he better take at least five tests after that fight's over. Cause, cause I mean, that's... according to him, he's taking too many tests now. He he has no idea why he gets tested more than, than Lou Rocco. He, oh, well. He, he's like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know why I get tested more. Self, self-awareness nah, is a yeah, motherfucker. He's... Like, yo, it's not because you fail, like, two or three steroid tests. Nope, not nope. at all. It's not. It's not. It's, you, he is the single reason that TRT is no longer allowed in MMA. Yep. Like, that is, he is actually the reason. Yep. Like, dude, like, stop, 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 stop being this guy. This is true. <laughs> well, let's switch gears and uh, jump into the other news. Uh, $50,000 bonuses were handed out. It shouldn't be a shocker that Luke Rockhold took fifty k for his performance bonus. Uh, Max Holloway took 50K for his, and Corey Anderson and GM Vellante took 50, 50K for their fight of the night. Now, the bulk of the MMA news for this week is Dana White talking a heap load of shit. And um, the, first, the first bit of news was crazy because Dana White thinks any UFC fighter, male or female, could beat Floyd Mayweather in a fight. Now, uh, now before in, in before 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 you say anything, this is after TMZ had caught up with Dana White after McGregor told TMZ that he'd kill Mayweather in less than thirty seconds. <laughs> so, uh, a couple of things before before I even get your your thoughts on this. First of all, Conor McGregor's doing what Conor McGregor does. So, if I were okay. TMZ, if I were TMZ, I'd be like, yeah, okay, dude, whatever you say. Because Floyd Mayweather, when they were like, yo, what do you think? He's like, yo, this dude's a clown. <laughs> like, Floyd Mayweather, who talks shit, was like, yo, fuck, I ain't even sweating this dude. But Dana White's coming out as a promoter, which I always say you sh- you don't need to do that. And he's like, yo, men or women could whoop Floyd Mayweather's ass. And again, whether you love Floyd Mayweather or hate Floyd Mayweather, the guy's record speaks for itself. The guy is a pugilist. He is a he is a he is the guy right now, period. Money wise, fighting wise, statistically, it's like, yo, sure, you could do an exhibition and somebody could go in and have a boxing match with him, but MMA boxing is not the same. <laughs> it's not. Um I, I hope they meant in MMA uh, first of all. I hope they meant in an MMA fight. Um, well, yeah, of course. Anybody which, could because it's not a discipline he knows. But it's like, yo, if you're going to talk yeah. about dude having a straight-up boxing fight, you out of your fucking mind. Yeah, there is nobody in MMA that could box for Floyd Mayweather. Nope. Like, period. Like, there's people who train their whole lives to box that can't box for Floyd Mayweather. Like, that's not, that's not a thing that could happen. Nope. Um, 
And Conor McGregor is just being Conor McGregor and talking shit. Right. First of all, I don't even understand why he decided to say Floyd Mayweather. I, I'm, I'm completely... Uh, it's called press, I don't press, understand dude. why that's the thing. Because Floyd Mayweather's yeah, in the news. I mean, so you know the minute you say that, like, yo, I could take Floyd Mayweather. If you anybody, you know a news outlet is going to pick that up immediately. Yo, Conor McGregor said he fucked well, Floyd Mayweather up. Okay, great. But he's not... Is he strapping on a pair of gloves next week? After you know, is he strapping a pair nope. of gloves after the Pacquiao fight and fighting them for, for for charity? Like what the fuck, man? Yeah, I mean, first off, like it's not happening. It's Conor McGregor talking shit. Um, <laughs> Absolutely, Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor is great in small doses, but this prolonged promotional push they're doing. Yeah, it's dude. It's, it's, out it's of getting hand. bad. Like. Like it's get, it's getting to the point where he's becoming insufferable. Like, cause I, I like him in small doses. Dude, like, not even Chael was like that, I, man. Yeah, like Ch- Ch- first of all, Chael never had this long, nope, this long of a drawn out microphone constantly in his face. Cause every now and again, Chael would slip into actual Chael and say things that made sense, absolutely, not complete nonsense, <laughs> and like. I, I don't know what actual Connor thinks because actual Connor never talks. That's right. He's always his character. And at this point, it's become increasingly annoying and to the point where I really hope Jose Aldo beats the shit out of him because it's become annoying. And I kind, I kind of feel like that's kind of the point. Either you're going to love him or you're going to hate him. Right. I don't hate him. I think he's a really good fighter. I just find his character Incessantly annoying. Well, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest <laughs> I, with this, and 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 if I whether it's Floyd Mayweather or any boxer, as a, as a as a representative of your sport, if you wanna if you wanna stop Dana White from talking shit, just be like, listen, put together an exhibition. I want main event or co-main on a card as a full-on boxing exhibition. And all the proceeds go to charity. And you find the best striker that you think could take me. And we do it. And I bet you Dana White will fucking... They're not ever going to do that. But but you see see how quickly you answered that? That is what I'm saying. That'll fucking put the kibosh on that immediately. As soon as you mention, yo, co-promote. Yo, we'll do it for charity. What? Uh, Nah, man. You know, we were just, eh, just having some fun. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. how you put the stock. Funny in. enough, uh, I believe Mayweather said he wants to promote MMA. I would actually be really interested to see what that looks like. Oh, it would be insanity. Uh, it would just go be into promoting to MMA, dude. It, uh, Floyd Mayweather would be the dude that'll be in a room with a mattress full of cash, sitting there with Conor McGregor playing cards. Like that's the yeah, kind like, of dumb I, shit. Like for for all of Floyd Mayweather's flaws, and he has many. Yeah, um, he's an excellent, excellent promoter. Yep. Like he, I mean, I don't know how many people know this, but like he is his promoter. Right. This is what the way the reason he acts. Not, not I'm not talking about the the spousal abuse things. I'm talking no, like no, no. The, the more outlandish behavior. The reason he acts like that because he gets, I believe, like fifty percent of all pay per view cuts. Yep. Because he's promoting the fight. So like, there's a reason that he acts the way he does most Absolutely. of the time. I mean, I can't, I can't be behind some of the other stuff he does. Uh, but nope, neither some can of I. the stuff he does, it's yeah, it's because he wants you to watch him. That's it. I would be really interested to see what he would do for MMA because I mean, you don't see this. Bellator is not real competition with the UFC. No, no, no. And but, 
I, I, I felt, I feel like when there is a good second promotion, it is better for the entire, it's better for the fighters and it's better for us because it forces the UFC to put on better, better shows. Right. Yeah, to compete with, you know, when, 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 when Strike Force was at its peak, it forced the UFC to, to kind of promote them with just as good, if not better shows. Absolutely. And it was, it was good for the sport. So, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, later on down the road, because uh, I'm guessing Floyd Mayweather probably has one or two more fights. After those fights, what he does in the sense of, because he, he's, he's talked about it multiple times. He was on that terrible BET show, I, Iron Ring, yeah. which uh, was an <laughs> MMA thing of yeah, sorts. I remember that. And he's talked about it multiple times that he would like to promote MMA. So I'd be really interested to see what he, he does there. Well, I'd, I'll be honest, dude. Like I said, whether you love Floyd or hate Floyd, like like like, like the Keith just said, Floyd fucking did WWE for shits and giggles, you know, because he could. It's like two things are gonna happen. Either Floyd, it, 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 like I said, you shut Dana up, be like, yo, put put whoever you want in there. Who's your best boxer in my weight class? Who who do you think is your best guy? Oh, this guy. Okay, well here's what we're gonna do. And I guarantee you, you say that once, Dana White will be like, uh, yeah, not nah. remember his his alleged boxing match with Tito Ortiz that was supposed to happen? Never. Or or <laughs> or you know, women who never fight in the octagon. <laughs> Shall I oh, we'll never have a co gender ultimate fighter. Shall I go on? Yeah. You see geez. what I'm saying? But but if Floyd Mayweather Dana's did a lot that of bullshit. You know, if if Floyd Mayweather did that. Dude, that would be it because if I were a boxer, and, and again, I don't follow boxing as closely and I, I make no qualms about knowing it, but I'll say this. If I were a boxer, the same way as if I were a mixed martial artist, just tied a dude saying, yo, I could do that, then put on a pair of gloves and let's do it. You see what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it's the same yeah. thing with pro wrestling, with football, with anything. Everybody protects their sport. And like I said, whether you want to call boxing crooked or not, they do have amazing athletes there, and they have great fighters. And I know some of these dudes got to get tired of answering that question in every interview. Yo, do you think you could take this MMA fighter? Motherfucker, I don't fight MMA. Two different sports. <laughs> like if Floyd Mayweather said, yo, after this Pacquiao fight, I'm retiring, I'm going to try my hand at MMA. Then, then we could talk. Yeah. You but know, not now. <laughs> but but not now. And yeah. and Dana White to do that, it it upset it upset me when I saw that because I'm like, dude, why are you making yourself and your athletes look like assholes? Like, why are you even doing that? Dana White is good at making people look like assholes, right? Or like, make himself look like an asshole. <laughs> like like uh, like Conor McGregor, yo, I kill him in 30 seconds. That's fine, you know what I mean? Because Conor McGregor's doing what Conor McGregor does. But when Ronda was like, yo, I you know I fight Floyd Mayweather and may, maybe I beat him. But, you know, but she was doing it, again, from a promotional standpoint. But, yo, don't. As a promoter, stay the fuck out of it. I've told you this. You know, I've said this before. Dana White, stay in your lane. <laughs> Do your job. Yeah. Leave the shit alone. Yeah, he, that's, not your, that's not your playground he, anymore. Yeah, he's got to cut that shit out. <laughs> well, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was what he was saying about um, Cain Velasquez training camp being in the Stone Age. And that UFC, the UFC is opening a special training facility that is going to actually involve uh, bring fighters in, you know, post surgery for all their rehab and all their training. It's supposed to open, I believe, in 2016. 
And the reason that they're doing this is so that, you know, fighters can learn to train intelligently, how to handle injuries, and also rehab accordingly. So basically, the UFC is not only footing the bill from a medical standpoint, but they're also footing rehab and, you know, preparation, which I think is is great. I just feel that, again, stay in your lane. Like, yes, we don't agree with the way Cain Velasquez trains, and you've mentioned this too. Like, some of the shit they have him do, you're like, yeah, okay. But it's like Daniel Cormier and Luke Rockhold aren't exactly fucking falling apart at the fucking seams. You know, some people are just in, more prone yeah. to injury than others. I mean, you got to say that too, but again, stay in your lane. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, I got what he was trying to say, and to some of it, I agree. They they do do things there that don't make any sense <laughs> from uh, from a rehabbing and, and working out standpoint. They just, like the video I sent you a couple months back, we're like, yeah, that's a good way to tear your ACL. Yep. Um, but um, I'm gonna. You can't say that. Mm-hmm. Like you, you or you can't say it that way, or 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 single them out because this is not just a practice that they do. There's a lot of MMA gyms that do that. Like even when I trained MMA down here, we did some shit that didn't make any sense. Like, like. It's 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 how how sports are per right. se. Like there's a lot of sports where they do like when I played football. Like there there was stupid drills that we did that kids don't do now because of concussions. Like right. it, it's a lot of sports that do shit that doesn't make any sense. And um, you shouldn't have singled them out. You should have just made it a point to be like, look, there's yep. a lot of gyms out here that kind of stuck in the stone ages. That don't single out AKA, but there's gyms that are stuck in the stone ages that we're going to help these athletes learn how to train better and stay healthier with this. You don't, you didn't have to single out that gym. Yep. That, and that's the thing. And the Keith in the chat says it best. Fighters are creatures of habit. Won't ever change for Kane. If Kane likes to train that way too, you know, that's how it is a great example. And, and, and a good friend of mine, it was, was showing me this. He showed me a documentary about it and he was talking to me about it. And you can, you can, you know, depending on your familiarity, how familiar are you with like, like, like pro bodybuilding circuits? Uh, Not too familiar with them. Well, the funny thing is that, you know, a lot of these guys that compete for the Olympia, you would think that as jacked as these dudes get and, and whatever, that they're going to suffer a lot of injuries just from training. I mean, don't get me wrong. You can suffer injuries while training. But the crazy shit is a mm. lot of these dudes, yeah, one guy suffered an injury just walking, like being outside or or, or you know, I believe he was, like, riding horseback, if I remember correctly. I think if he's listening, if he could remind me of who that was, I'd appreciate it. But what I'm saying is that injuries can – dude, even me, I'm a – I've lifted weights all my life. I've never injured myself lifting weights ever. I've li- I've injured myself I, – I, you know, I, I tore my, my labrum working in the mailroom of my job when I first started. Because I lifted a box overhead and there was it was top heavy and the weight shifted back and my shoulder went a little further than it should have. Which of course changed the game for everything I did afterwards because I had to rehab and you know prehab and yo you got to stretch like this and do this. And if I do certain exercises, shit you know doesn't feel too comfortable, so I don't do them. But think about that. I had to change my entire approach to training for some shit that happened not training. 
(laughs) You see what I'm saying? So, yeah, maybe their training methods might be antiquated. Maybe their training methods aren't the ideal training methods. But dudes get hurt doing bullshit. How much shit do they talk about? And you know, you've heard about this in Major League Baseball. Yo, you can't clip your nails if you're a pitcher. Or, you know, don't do this. Or don't do that. Don't get on a motorcycle. You know the deal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people get hurt all the time. Like, I mean, uh, it, it's just, it's just how how the, the human body works. Um, can can you help yourself from not getting hurt sometimes? Yeah, of course. But I mean, singling out that gym, I felt was like the wrong move. Yeah, um, I agree. It, it is. It's it. Yeah, we all would like to see Kane fight more often. I would love to see Kane fight more often, but. You can't single out the gym because he he seems to be a bit injury prone. Yep, that's just how it is. Because, dude, if it was just the gym, wouldn't Cormier be on the shelf on the regular? Rockhold be on yep. the shelf on the regular. You know what I mean? Like, like some people just are more prone to injuries than others. It's like it's like the you know the one guy that we all know that's always sick, always has a cold, always has something going on. So that's just how shit is. Now. I did. I did want to mention um, one other thing regarding Dana White. He actually secured a date in, at the Garden in December, in case MMA does pass. So, you know, in the event that it does go down, MMA at the Garden may happen in December, which will be insanity at its best. Yeah, that that would be dope if 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 it gets sanctioned. I mean, I, I know it's been a thing for years now, but if it gets sanctioned. It would be dope to see a card in some. Oh, uh, here's here's a funny thing. Uh, the Keith in the chat shared Clay Buckholtz, Red Sox pitcher, hurt sleeping wrong. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, I I wanted to also share the um something interesting about the fighter sponsorship. Sports Business Daily put out an article about the uh, the Reebok deal. And they said that um, the Reebok sponsorships will not be influenced by fighter rankings. A fighter's share of the sponsorship pie will be determined by their experience in the UFC octagon. The new tiered system replaces rankings and instead will use the fighter's number of bouts in the octagon with different tiers. 1 to 5 fights, 6 to 10, 11 to 15, 16 to 20, and so on. The exact dollar figures for each tier aren't known at this time, but those figures should become available in May. So under the new deal, what they're saying is that fighters are required to wear Reebok-branded apparel in conjunction with all official UFC events. They're going to be given a kit of gear that can be tailored to their individual preferences that they have to wear for fights, press conferences, weigh-ins, and open workouts. In-cage sponsor banners and past clothing sponsorships are now banned. But UFC fighters will receive in perpetuity royalty payments and royalty and payments amounting to 20% of any UFC merchandise sold that bears their likeness. So that's the that's the official breakdown of the deal. Thoughts? It's really interesting that uh independent contractors are not in uniform. But uh Yeah, well. <laughs> um um I mean, I, once again, I'm interested to see how this works out. Um, that sounds interesting, but I mean, it sounds better than the rankings because the rankings are real subjective and kind of, yep. but, um, uh, it, it sounds like a better idea than the rankings. We'll, we'll see once, once, once stuff starts rolling, I, I, I want to see what, what it all looks like. 
There you go. But I figured I'd put that out there because it was a very interesting sports uh, uh, business from a business perspective how that breakdown is. So it's basically what you're saying is that Paige Van Zandt is getting ten dollars because you know she's only got four <laughs> fights. <laughs> That's what you're saying. So it's okay. Something like that. There you go. Um, so Rampage, of course, got the injunction. He will be fighting uh, Fabio Maldonado at a catch weight of 215 pounds. Um, still the co-main for Demetrius Johnson and Kyoji Haraguchi. I feel bad because everybody's like, yo, outside of Demetrius Johnson's fight, this card is trash. And they really were praying to the, to the MMA gods that Rampage got his shit taken care of. Um, it is good that he's able to fight and make the card better. It still doesn't make it something that I I would particularly pay for. Nah, dude, but it does make the card better. So there you go. Um, yeah, but um, I, I, I it makes the card better. Um, I do want to see what Rampage looks like against Fabio Maldonado. I think that'd be a good fight. There you go. So yeah, now. The last bit of MMA news kind of falls into the what the fuck MMA news category. And, I w- and I'm glad you said you wanted to call in this week because this bit of news is going to trip everybody out. So MMA Junkie reported earlier this week that Anderson Silva is going to meet with the Brazilian Taekwondo Federation to discuss a possible bid for the 2016 Summer Olympics in Rio. He is hoping to represent Brazil at the Games. The Federation oversees Brazil's Olympic presence in MMA. They announced a press conference with Silva and, of course, BTF president Carlos Fernandez. They will discuss the possibility of Anderson Silva representing Brazilian Taekwondo at the 2016 Olympic Games. Now, before before yeah, but before you 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 unload because I I hear you chomping at the bit. Um, Silva's manager said that Silva, of course, has been practicing MMA Taekwondo since he was a teenager in Rio. He was named an ambassador of the Taekwondo Federation two months before his fight with Chael at UFC 148. Taekwondo was introduced as an Olympic sport in 2000. And since Brazil is the host country, it has at least four Olympic spots in 2016. So, ladies and gentlemen, Anderson Silva wants to represent Brazil in Taekwondo in the Olympics. Um, I'm sure the fact that he was popped for like a drug cabinet. Is not going to hurt that at all. Um, oh yeah, not at all. Definitely not. Uh, first off, uh, that's not happening. Uh, it's just it's not. Um, not what I did though. Um, but uh, <laughs> not happening. <laughs> I read that and I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Anderson Silva, the Olympics, you know, drug test. What the fuck? Yeah, not not happening. Um, <laughs> I mean, it'd be it'd be interesting to see if. It happened, but it's not. So, um, good for him for dreaming, I guess. Uh, but he is not going to be in the Olympics, dude. If that uh, devil's advocate, if he gets if he gets a slot on the Olympic team, how crazy is that? I mean, it'd be crazy, but he get his ass whooped. Like, I mean, <laughs> training Taekwondo as since you were a teenager, cool. You also been training Muay Thai. And jiu-jitsu, you haven't been dedicating yourself to Taekwondo. You get your ass whooped. Oh, he gets his ass whooped. Like, Anderson Silva seems to want to do a lot of things that get him his ass whooped. He wants to box. He wants to do this. Like, this is just, no, just chill, bro. Like, live out your suspension and then fight Nick Diaz again or something. But, like, the, the, this, this is not, not the move. Not doing it. 
So uh, before we wrap things up, everybody's talking about the GSP's uh, former manager was saying that, oh, you know, GSP will probably take one major fight and then retire. And playing devil's advocate, I wanted to run that by you. Let's let's say that is the case. And GSP comes back to take a fight. What fight should he take? Well, I know for a fact he would not fight Anthony Silva now. Nope. Um, <laughs> with GSP's anti-doping uh, yeah. rhetoric. Um, great question. I guess at 170, I, I don't know. Cause I, I doubt he would want to go against someone that could. I don't. I have no idea, really. Um, maybe you do a Johnny Hendricks rematch, maybe. But I kind of feel like that fight goes the same way. Mm. So I, I don't. I, I don't know because like, the only fight that I've ever really wanted for him was the Anthony Silva fight, and I know the way DSP feels about steroids. He's not fighting against nope. Silva, so. Unless he just, unless Anderson Silva is getting uh, drug tested every single day until that fight, <laughs> pretty much dude, straight <laughs> straight Vada statistical testing going in. Yeah, like that. That would be the only way. I would love to see Anderson Silva, um, but that would be the only way. Is like Vada testing. Like he's getting tested every day, period. Like up until the fight. Outside of that, that that's the only way I think I could see him. Yeah, yeah, I think I, you know, it was funny because I said to myself, you know, if GSP comes back for a big payday fight, I'll be honest when I'll say that I would probably like to see him and Nick Diaz one more time. I think it'd be interesting, but I think the lead up would be more interesting than the fight. Right. I feel like the fight would go a lot like it did the last time. Yeah, but Nick is would be motivated. You know what I'm saying? Like, like from like you know, Nick is always talking about yo. I'm trying to get paid. Like, dude, that'll get you paid. Yeah, no, Nick, Nick <laughs> Diaz will take the fight. I just, I just feel like the last time he was motivated too, and he got taken down repeatedly. Like, I, I just don't think Nick Diaz will ever have the the wrestling to stop GSP from basically doing whatever GSP wants him. So, I, I think that fight will end up looking the same. So, I, I would really want to see the Anderson fight, but. Yeah, it's I mean, I, I don't know if that fight would. Yeah, I don't know if that could be even possible now. So, the Keith says GSP versus Captain America. I say, I say, taking that one step further, GSP in the shape that he's in now at two oh five, making a run for the belt. <laughs> Fuck it, Fuck <laughs> yeah, it. let's GSP go all in. Huge now, yeah, dude. He's he's pretty yeah, jacked. He's absolutely massive now, <laughs> dude. Dude, put him in there at two oh five. Dude, I I put him in there at two oh five and let him fight DC. Uh, two or five. George St. Pierre is just two hundred five pounds. Two or five. Daniel Cormier walking in the cage is at least two hundred forty pounds. <laughs> he could beat the shit out of. <laughs> yeah, like walking to the cage. I'm a hundred percent sure DC put off probably thirty five pounds or something like that. Dude he ate a bucket of chicken of in the back. <laughs> ate a bucket of chicken before yeah, he came like he, out. Yeah, like he was really big when he fought John Jones. Like I mean, he's always big, but he was. He was big in that fight, and same thing with John Jones. Like John Jones weighs in at two hundred five. I'm pretty sure he walks around or comes into the cage about two twenty five, two thirty. Yep. So they, they've said that. I yeah. So I, I I don't think that would be a good look for GSP, dude. But you know what it is the the problem with GSP. He's such a freakish athlete 
that it just makes you wonder, like, yo, dude, if you really bout it, uh, and and again, purely speculation, pure, purely just armchair MMA analysis, but yo, if you really bout it, dude, just, yo, just make that run at 205 and be like, I'm going to go and try to get the best fights possible and call it a day. <laughs> just let the dude rock, because it's like, yo, you're not coming in there at 170 getting that getting that title shot anytime soon. Too many killers. Yeah. Hell, at even at one eighty five. Yep, and I mean, at one eighty five. I would like to see. Yeah, I would like to see. I would like to see. You know, what he looked like in the weight class, but I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I would be interested to see if he comes back. What fight he would take? There you go. All right. So with that said, that actually uh, wraps up all the MMA news for the week. Um, again, I don't know how how late you came in after man. Great, great work, you and Taylor with Black as the new Black. Um, Tremendous success, good numbers. Um, just a ju- just as something I wanted to throw out there, and and I wanted to save it for when I had when I had you in here. So I I looked at the uh, the the global reach for um for Black is the New Black, and um, I was laughing because uh, you guys and um, this is this is pretty amusing. You guys have. Cats listening to the show, and I quote, In the U.S., the U.K., Vietnam, Canada, Serbia. What do you guys got going on in Serbia? What's really good? I I, <laughs> I don't know who would be listening in Serbia. Just, I mean, it, it, no, <laughs> I, I know we have a list. I know for a fact because we have a friend who lives in India. So I know for a fact we have someone in India. The mother country God has <laughs> yeah, and I and I we, we know somebody in Canada. So I mean, me and Taylor, we, we, we know some people not in Vietnam or Serbia, but <laughs> Yeah, I figured I figured you guys would get a would, would get a good laugh out of that. And I was just you know, I just wanted to say, you know, you guys are doing a great job. Um definitely keep it up. And um, yeah, you got you got that that global appeal. You got even a couple, yeah, you got a couple downloads in India and a couple dudes in Germany, a couple people in Germany checking y'all out for 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 no reason, just just, just Germany, just France, <laughs> just you know, <laughs> Netherlands. Let's see what these two random black dudes are talking about. Yeah, it, <laughs> I, you got dudes in the Netherlands. I don't even think there are black people in the Netherlands. <laughs> I don't think there's anyone in Serbia. <laughs> <laughs> And if they are, they're stationed there. <laughs> yeah, that's the only reason you'd be in Serbia. <laughs> but um, no. With that said, um, like I said, just want to put that out there and congratulate you guys. Um, where can you guys where where can people catch up with you guys? Um, I know you guys got an episode on deck for this week. I'm sure. Yeah, we uh we will be doing an episode. Probably, not even probably Saturday. We will be doing it Saturday. Okay. Cool. Um, we'll be doing an episode Saturday. Uh, but yeah, uh, people can catch me at, uh, you know, my Twitter name has been the same since I've been here, Blackout89, B-L-A-Q-O-U-T-89 on Twitter. You can catch, uh, Taylor at, uh, King of the Chill underscore, underscore <laughs> at Twitter. Yeah. On Twitter. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can find us at our Facebook all the time. Um, you know, I'm, I'm constantly, you know, checking in on Rageworks, uh, page. So if you want to get at me, you can get at me on there. Um, but yeah, any feedback for the show is greatly appreciated. Um, we, we, we are very thankful that people are listening. Um, cause for the longest time, me and Taylor kind of 
kind of resolved ourselves that we were mostly talking to ourselves. So, oh, there you go. Um, yeah, so, um, but it, it's nice to see that people enjoy the show. So, uh, thank you guys for listening and, 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 you know, continue to download it and, and listen to it and recommend it to your friends and everything. There you go. Um, one thing, one thing I did want to say, you know, I know you guys, that we, we got some, some NBA playoff business this week. So I know that I know yeah. there's a lot of that. The only thing I, I wanted to, to tell you, which amused me is, I'm curious to see what you and Taylor got to say about Jay Z's music service taking that dump. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, we, <laughs> when it was announced, I said it was going to fail, yep. and for it to fail this quickly, it is uh, amusing. Yeah, when you I and Cam, it was a horrible idea from the jump. <laughs> yeah, when you had when you guys had Cam Cam James on, who who's the artist for Black and the New Black Black is the New Black's intro music. Yep. he um, you know, he he gave some really great insight into that so you know it, it was interesting to hear from an artist's perspective and to just see the service just like oh yeah that yeah no i was like oof yeah <laughs> yeah so <laughs> yeah so um yeah it's it, it's amusing how quickly that venture failed but um yeah uh apparently it it it, it drove up sales to spotify that's it <laughs> so bad so uh, we will definitely, definitely be talking about that. There you go. Well, again, man, um, thank you for everything. Uh, thank you for the great work you guys are putting out, and I appreciate you giving me the assist this week. Thanks. Uh, no problem, man. All right, brother. Peace. All right. Peace. That was our very own Ben. Follow him on Twitter at Blackout, B-L-A-Q-O-U-T-89. All right. Uh, let's switch gears and jump into some wrestling because... It's been an interesting week. Now, as apropos as it is, Booker T, take it away. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga! As always, My Take Radio's wrestling segment is brought to you by WWEShop.com. Use our promo code WWESAVE10 to save $10 on orders over $70 or more. Again, WWESAVE10 for WWEShop.com. All right, so let's get the ball rolling with this week's episode of Raw. And again, being outside of, of wrestling for the last two weeks, not doing wrestling and MMA shows, has, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. But what's been happening for me the last couple of weeks is that I've realized that wrestling, especially the WWE product, is in such a, it's in a very awkward situation. And the reason I say this is because we're in that transitional phase where guys like John Cena, Randy Orton, you know, the staples of the, um, of the modern era of WWE programming, I almost feel like they're aging out. And the reason I say this is because let's let's look at the current landscape of the WWE. Uh, Seth Rollins is your champion. Young guy, fresh dude, uh, came in from Ring of Honor, which is WWE's best developmental system next to NXT, might I add. And, um, you know, him, Daniel Bryan, Antonio Cesaro... Uh, you know, Neville, Finn Balor, the list goes on. You're seeing a transition from the larger than life personas to some more 
uh, technically proficient, but yet non-seasoned from a mic standpoint performers. So what's happening is we're seeing this transition play out and it's really leading to two types of programming, either wrestling, either programming that's very wrestling intensive, i.e. SmackDown or wrestling that is all about angle advancement and everything else that is not wrestling, i.e. Raw. And while that has always been the case, it's becoming more and more apparent the last couple of weeks. The same thing with the main card and the mid card. It almost feels like WWE's mid card is infinitely more exciting than WWE's main card. Meaning, your US title and IC title have more engaging matches, feuds, and performers than the main event scene. And the reason that I'm saying this before even talking about Raw is because when you look at Raw and you look at the landscape of the WWE World Heavyweight title picture, you see that the landscape really is is hopeless. And when I say hopeless, I say it because here you have Seth Rollins, a guy who has all the tools and has been built up to be the leader of the next generation of pro wrestlers. And when I say that, it's because he is the flag bearer for this new recruits, these new guys that are coming up from NXT. He is the he is the guy right now. So with that said, you would think that the landscape of challengers for this young upstart champion would be plentiful. Instead, we're relegated to the usual suspects. Randy Orton. Possibly Kane, depending on who you ask. The Big Show. Maybe Roman Reigns, maybe not Roman Reigns. And that's pretty much it. Think about it. If, if you were, if you were booking the main, the main roster and you were booking the heavyweight title picture, here's how my title picture would look with Seth Rollins as champion main event challengers for Seth Rollins at this level would be Bray Wyatt, Dolph Ziggler. Roman Reigns, Ryback, Biggie Langston, Neville, just to name a few. Again, why am I not mentioning Daniel Bryan, John Cena? Those are guys that are shoe-ins. Those are guys that are naturally going to be in that picture. But I'm talking about a landscape where every guy is the guy. Now, with that said... Let's talk about Raw this week. So, with Raw, the buildup for Extreme Rules has been that every match is supposed to have some sort of extreme angle. That's what we've known it. Originally, obviously, Extreme Rules was more uh, akin to ECW, but obviously that has evolved over the years. With that said, um, there's been a lot of buildup, and this Raw was the last Raw before Extreme Rules. Now, as I've said on numerous occasions... The expectation that a Raw before a pay-per-view will be stellar is no longer 100% guaranteed. And the reason for that, guys, is because we almost all of us have the network. We're gonna watch the shit. It is a no-brainer. You're watching Game of Thrones, you're watching Extreme Rules, or The Walking Dead, and you're watching whatever pay-per-view's on. It is what it is. And the fact is that because of that, WWE knows that they only need to dangle a bit of a carrot. Nothing crazy, 
Nothing over the top. Because as I've said before, it is guaranteed that you will either watch it live or you will watch it later, but you will watch it. Because again, the cost of entry is $10. No longer 50 or 60 like a standard pay-per-view, but a lousy 10. So in WWE's logic, they figure, all right, we'll give them four great pay-per-views. The rest will be decent. And for $10, they can't fucking bitch. And to a degree, they are right. But as I said, let's get into Raw for this week. So Raw opens up with Randall coming out, talking about the banning of the uh, RKO for his match against Seth Rollins. Uh, Very, very strong opener. uh, Good shit talking, as usual. And um, the setup was that Randy Orton was going to RKO anybody and everybody that stood in his way until he gets to Seth Rollins. Now, obviously, we knew that this evening was going to be littered with people getting RKOs. And the funny thing about it is that the RKO meme that has been created with Randy Orton's RKO being used in numerous situations has taken a life of its own. And I hate to tell you, WWE, you didn't create it. It wasn't you guys. Everybody did. Every You know, the Internet created that. You guys didn't. Stop trying to make it like it's yours. Stop trying. Michael Cole saying RKO out of nowhere. Stop it. You didn't create it. It's not yours. Cut the bullshit. And the fact that it sounds so forced is just, it it just adds to that. It's like Michael Cole. That's not how you, how you deliver commentary. Cut the bullshit. But anyway, we knew at the start of the broadcast that Randy Orton was going to be catching people left and right with RKOs. That's to be expected. Anyway. So. Our first match of the night was Luke Harper and Dean Ambrose. Obviously, the buildup for this leading from their WrestleMania match, uh, the WrestleMania ladder match, and a feud pretty much was built from that and is going into Extreme Rules. Now, I don't have an issue with this. I think Dean Ambrose really benefits from the quote-unquote hardcore environment given his background and Luke Harper is a tremendous wrestler if you guys think that that Luke Harper is a shitty wrestler then you guys haven't watched enough wrestling because Luke Harper is probably one of the best big men that they got on that roster he moves well his mic work is good and he has great chemistry with every person he's in the ring with This is a great match and a great feud for Dean Ambrose, but the problem is that Dean Ambrose has lost so many of his fucking feuds that at this point you almost expect Ambrose to lose this one. And that, my friends, is a problem, you know? And that's the thing that gets me. These guys, they, they, they had a, a really good interaction during the ladder match. And then you kind of built that as this throwaway feud for the pay-per-view. And my issue with this is that these guys would benefit from a long-term feud. But instead, you threw this feud together in, you know, in a matter of, of, of two weeks. And all of a sudden, you, you're setting up a street fight at Extreme Rules. Again... Not necessarily a bad thing for these two guys to work together. The problem is, like I said, you've damaged Ambrose so much at this point that Ambrose winning is incredibly difficult because everybody expects Ambrose to lose. Now, 
A lost wouldn't hurt either guy, but you have to keep the feud going. You can't just do this and do this match and then the feud is over and they move on. It's not going to be good and it's actually going to hurt both performers in the long run. Now, the Lucha Dragons and the New Day squared off for what was a number one contenders match to face Kid and Cesaro at Extreme Rules. Okay, no problem. Now, Obviously, we're seeing shades of the New Day and their quasi-heel turn, which, whatever, at this point, what the fuck matters? Um, The good thing that I liked was that the Lucha Dragons did not lose this match clean. On the contrary, there were shenanigans, Xavier Woods uh, preventing Sin Cara from getting back in the ring, which led to the countout, and, um, you know, the New Day wins, and, of course, Randy Orton comes out and RKOs for the New Day. Uh, Biggie Langston, of course, was the smarter uh, of the New Day members and left before Randy Orton could catch him with one. Now, a couple of things. It was a good win for the New Day if you're really trying to get them over as heels. Now, obviously, them going into Extreme Rules to challenge the heel team of Kid and Cesaro is very interesting. But if rumors are to be believed, Kid and Cesaro are going to actually be turned and the New Day are going to be working as heels going forward now with the with the injury to one of the usos i believe it's jay that creates a vacuum in the tag team division but not necessarily because you have teams there but you're just not doing enough with them now the thing that gets me is if you're putting the new day in this match and they're facing kid and cesaro then why is their match on the kickoff show Again, title matches. Why is the kick why is Kid and Cesaro relegated to the kickoff show to face the New Day? That's the shit that bugs me. Why would you do that to those guys? Again, pay-per-views mean title matches. Title matches. Nothing more, nothing less. Title matches. But instead, you relegate two exciting teams that you're trying to get on people's radar to the pre-show. It is fucking stupid. It was As soon as I saw it, I said, what did Kid and Cesaro do that they got banished to the fucking pre-show? Why? Seriously, why? Anyway, so we get ourselves a Curtis Axel and Fandango match because I guess they're really trying to get Fandango over, which again, I have no problem with it. I feel that Fandango as a performer, not his gimmick, but as a performer has a solid finisher. That leg drop is, is very well executed. And I think that his gimmick at this point, it's, it's such a comedy gimmick, much like Axel mania that you just look at the shit, you know, and, and and you just, you, you do what you got to do. I, at the end of the day, I had no problem with Fandango coming out there and having a match with, with Axel Mania. The thing that got me is that if you're going to do that and you're trying to push Fandango or Fandango or Fandango, however you want to pronounce that fucking guy's name, at minimum, make him mean something more than the dancing guy with the catchy theme music. He is not a shitty wrestler. He's not. The problem is pigeonholed in a shitty gimmick. Again, throw him in a mid-card. 
throw him in a tag team. Do something that'll make him mean more than just a guy that's there for filler. That's all I'm saying. So, Triple H came out. He announced Tough Enough. Everybody was excited or not excited, depending on who you ask. And then Kane came out, and Kane cut a pretty solid promo on Seth Rollins in that exchange. Obviously, Seth Rollins is gassed on himself. He's creating anarchy within the authority. Kane is really pissed off after the events that transpired last week. And the thing that I liked was the fact that Kane reinforced the fact that the authority made Seth Rollins champion. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, Rich, why is that such a factor? As I've said before, the authority and the guys that are associated with the authority should be guys that they deem worthy of being the future. And the reason I say this is because Seth Rollins is your champion, member of the authority. Your IC, US, and tag team and women's champions should all be part of the authority because the authority is the evil empire in the situation. And the beauty of it is that the authority, if they were smart, would be booked against faces and heels the same way. Think about now, now you're probably saying to yourself, Rich, that makes no sense. Let me explain. Kane does not need to be a member of the authority. Doesn't need it. The big show doesn't need to be a member of of the authority. If the authority has their eyes on the future and what is best for business, their stable should be fucking champions. Guys that are going to go after each belt and represent the authority. In doing that, you create something that everybody can feud with effectively. Like, let's use a good example. Sheamus. Nobody gives a fuck about Sheamus. I'll be honest, nobody cares. But if Sheamus were part of the authority and captured a belt, then we have something a little different. Sheamus coming out in a little suit, looking like a douchebag with his terrible, with his terrible uh, Mad Max extra haircut. And that would at least give us something different. The authority shouldn't be composed of Seth Rollins and the, what, what equals to a, to a mid-card boy band with J&J and Big Show and Kane. The key in the chat says the authority needs to be like the corporation. Exactly. Belts everywhere. That's right. Ken Shamrock had two belts at one time. That's what I'm saying. The authority should be the driving force. It should be everyone against the authority. And this works out well for faces and heels. Because remember, when the NWO was at its apex, they feuded with faces. They feuded with heels. They feuded with everybody because they were in their own lane. If you're really trying to create this force with the authority, with the, with, with the establishment, then you need to have it comprised of guys that are genuine establishment players. Like I said, you got your champion, Seth Rollins. You got your, your mid-card guy, maybe, I don't know, Sheamus, Wade Barrett, Cesaro, all solid hands. Oh, we need our, our, our women's, a women's representative. Okay, gee, Nikki Bella. Maybe the Bellas. Because, you know, the authority has provided so many great opportunities with, uh, you know, total divas and all this stuff. Boom. There you go. Let's talk about 
tag teams. You could put, um, you know, you could you could you could put you could call up the vaude villains. Maybe put them, or maybe you could put um, what the hell are their names? Fuck. Oh damn, I lost my train. The 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 guys uh Blake and Murphy from NXT. Just as an example, like I said, fresh talent. Up upstarts, you know, guys that are that are on the authorities radar by doing something like that. People are like, oh, shit, you know, and uh, oh, yeah, or the Keith. Who am I thinking? Kid and Cesaro exactly would be great for that kid. Cesaro Rollins and maybe Sheamus or kid Cesaro um, Rollins and um, Wade Barrett. Wade Barrett would be a good one because he's kind of worked with the authority loosely. And Biggie, Biggie as like a bodyguard would be great, or Biggie being in that stable. I think it's just the problem is that the authorities become a, a means to an end, but only when they feel like it. If you get what I'm saying, that like the authority sometimes is the villains when they're feuding with I don't know Roman Reigns or Daniel Bryan or John Cena. But in in the case of Randy Orton, the authority is really a non-factor. Randy Orton is essentially feuding with Seth Rollins and J&J Security. Just saying. But I will say that Kane made, made a good, a good uh, presence, uh, made his presence felt with a really, really good promo, which, was, which definitely was good. So Brie Bella squared off against Naomi. Um, obviously, this is going to lead to a match. And I really liked what they did in the sense that they're really trying to build um, Naomi as a, uh, as a as a person who's tired of of being passed over for all these opportunities and wants her chance to shine. Not necessarily a full heel turn, but just a chick that got tired of the bullshit, which is good. You could kind of start booking her in that slightly anti-hero sort of way, especially if Paige is not going to be on television for the time being, I think Naomi has all the tools. She has the looks, the athleticism, and the wrestling acumen to to definitely be a force in that division. The women's division is definitely a division that is in flux. The women's division and the tag team division are fucking hopeless at this point. And the reason I say that is because there's not enough meaningful matches, and on top of that, there's no there's no real clear cut decent characters that people give a fuck about think about it the tag team division cesaro and kid people like them do we see them enough no and they're the champions don't see them happens you know uh on, on the divas side you get maybe one divas match a night maybe tna's doing an entire show based on the knockouts for one night and again, it's one night, but still, you're showcasing women's wrestling. You're giving them an opportunity to shine. And of course, people say, yeah, but the Divas, they sound, they shine in NXT. And it's like, yeah, because NXT knows that the women can deliver good matches, tell good stories, and they just need a creative outlet to get the job done. And that, my friends, is what's missing on the main roster. You mean to tell me that you can't give... Natalia and Charlotte and Charlotte of a 10 minute match or a, or a seven minute match, or you could give Naomi a good match with like Sasha Banks. You don't think that that'll be a good match for five or six minutes. Maybe it's one less recap. 
Maybe it's one less replay of what, of something that happened 20 minutes ago. I'm serious. Like, like that's the problem. Everybody's like, oh, well, you know, give Divas a chance. Give the tag teams a chance. The mid-card needs a chance. Yeah, they all need a chance. But we don't need 17 backstage interviews and 15 replays of shit that happened 20 minutes ago. It kills time that could be applied to wrestling. That's all I'm saying. So we go backstage, Heath Slater's back there, and of course you knew that it was an RKO out of nowhere for Heath Slater as Randy Orton kills him dead. And um, we go back to the ring with Roman Reigns out there uh, getting ready to cut a, a, a promo when the returning quasi-Bray Wyatt-looking Bo Dallas comes out, essentially calls Roman Reigns the Tim Tebow of the WWE, which was quite amusing, and um, he ended up catching a Superman punch and a spear for his trouble, both of which look stupid, and of course, believe that. And the thing that gets me is, people talk about Roman Reigns' mic work, and I had a good conversation with Josh, one of our one of our writers, and... Um, The problem with Roman Reigns isn't the fact that his mic work is shitty. It's the fact that what's being written for him does not fit him. That's, that's, that's the thing that, that I get when you look at Roman Reigns, he's not the guy that's cutting or speaking in such a way that, that it looks so manufactured. And this is something that I've talked about in terms of just even, even my take radio as a product. I'm not going to I'm not going to come out here and do this super eloquent um you know over the top caricature version of the show like I'm not going to come out here and do my wacky radio voice. Thank you guys for tuning in today for my take rate. No, no, no. That's not who I am. It's not who I am. When you look at Roman Reigns and all the parallels that are done between him and The Rock Even The Rock had somebody right for him. And the beauty of The Rock's character is that he got to a point where he had his own writer just to write his material. You know, Jabroni, Rudy Poo Candy Ass, all those crazy promos. Yeah, that was all The Rock, but he did have a good writer. It's no different than David Letterman or um Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon or any of these guys there's always good writers that help bring the it's the same thing if you like watching Jimmy Fallon deliver an amazing monologue he has writers don't get me wrong he's delivering it and he's adding his spin to it and it's his personality that's reflecting but it's within the confines of him and our team of writers delivering something that resonates with you and feels natural. Think about, here's a good example. Look at the MTV Movie Awards. People were complaining about um, Amy Schumer's uh, performance and her hosting of the MTV Movie Awards because Amy Schumer is, is a comedian who is whose material is not exactly something that you would be hearing on an MTV movie awards broadcast. So what happens is those writers, they're like, Oh, here's what you're going to, here's what you're going to say, you know, and they'll tailor it to where it sounds like something she would say. And it just is not natural. And that's what happens with a guy like Roman Reigns. Yes. Roman Reigns, Mike delivery is shit. Don't misunderstand. But I always think of what Paul Heyman used to say when it came to professional wrestling. Accentuate the strengths, 
hide the weaknesses. In Roman Reigns' case, you know who hid his weaknesses? Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. Why? Because they did all the talking. So you would take Roman Reigns and you just have him go out there and you'd wrestle and everybody cheered and everybody loved him and everybody marked out because he was there but he wasn't there in a in a in a capacity where people were where he was being shoved down your throat. And that is the issue at hand. Roman Reigns isn't terrible, he just doesn't have the right the right pieces to get him over as a performer. He doesn't have the right people putting together his promos, he doesn't have the right people putting together his matches, his move set, all of that. You know? It's like what Slick just said. All Romans, all Roman Reigns used to say was "ooh ah," and believe that, and that was it. But think about it: when the Shield came out, they all got cheered individually or as a unit because at the time, the strengths were accentuated and the and the weaknesses were hidden. Seth Rollins wasn't a comfortable talker on the mic, so Dean Ambrose did the bulk of the talking. And as Rollins got better, Ambrose faded to the background. And then as Ambrose got better and and Rollins got better, then you started hearing a bit more of Roman Reigns. But again, you didn't hear that much because the people that were putting together the dialogue were putting it together for Rollins and for Ambrose. And that, my friends, is what people don't understand. Listen, I'm not hopping aboard the Roman Reigns train. I don't think Roman Reigns is ready for the main event anytime soon. But I also don't think he's as terrible as people should be led to believe because he doesn't have the tools that are there to make shit work. Do you want to know why people love the Attitude Era? Because the Attitude Era was comprised of writers and people that were risk takers and that were willing to give good good situations and good stories. The same way people hate on Vince Russo for a lot of the shit that he brought to the wrestling business, Vince Russo was also involved in a lot of the shit that we enjoyed. So, you know, again, double, double-edged double sword. For every beautiful thing that Paul Heyman's done, he did have some shitty things too. But you got to remember, Paul Heyman made a guy like Justin Credible popular with everyone. And don't get me wrong. Just incredible, not a dig against him. He wasn't a terrible wrestler or a terrible performer by a long shot. But you would never look at Just Incredible and see future world champion. Not at all. On the contrary, when he was working with Lance Storm and they were the impact players, I'm like, all right, that works. When Just Incredible got that world title run in ECW, I'm like, really? But as you started seeing it, you started seeing why that worked. And that's the problem. WWE's current creative landscape is comprised of guys who don't have a firm grasp of wrestling. On top of that, it all still gets filtered by Vince. And Vince is always going to go with the more, with the safer approach. Do you know why NXT is so good? Because NXT is handled by guys that know wrestling. That's it. They know wrestling. Do you know why people like Enzo Amore so much? Because Enzo Amore is gifted on the microphone and needs very minimal to get him over. Versus a guy like, I don't know, Mojo Rawley. Look at Sami Zayn. Look at Kevin Owens. Amazing wrestlers. 
Their mic work needs seasoning, but not a lot. Think about the feuds that El Generico had with Kevin Steen in the independence. Amazing ones with amazing wrestling, but equally amazing mic work. And that's because those guys were more, they, they didn't have the lines fed to them. They were working naturally. And that, my friends, it's what's lacking in WWE's current landscape. Too many guys are getting manufactured personas that just don't carry out. They don't carry over to television. People are able to see through that shit and they know what's real and what's fake. That's all I'm saying. So Zack Ryder got sacrificed to the monster known as Sheamus, which of course led to Dolph Ziggler for the save. All good. We know that this was a buildup. Again, wash, rinse, and repeat. Uh, John Cena had a match with Kane for his U.S. Open Challenge, which was fine. I actually think that him and Kane had a very, very good match. Now, as I've said before, Kane doesn't really need to wrestle anymore and should be used in a more managerial or authority figure position. But the guy can still go out there and work good matches with good people. That's it. Anybody that, oh, you know, another match with him and Roman Reigns. Yeah, because Roman Reigns can't carry anybody to a match because people are still carrying him. But Kane and John Cena is not going to be a terrible match because those guys are veterans. They know the style. They know how to work a good match. And their match was surprisingly good. I was like, wow, that wasn't that wasn't too bad. You know, it was it was good. It was good that there was a decent build up. The only thing I didn't like was the super random, you know, 98 percent bullshit and then attitude adjustment. And it was over, you know, but still not a terrible match. Not by a long shot. The Miz and Miz Dow for the Miz brand. You know, that was that was three minutes of my life that I'll never get back. The only thing that mattered was obviously um, Summer Rae's involvement because obviously she's in the movie with The Miz and that was that. Eh, it is what it is. Uh, for those of you wondering, Bray Wyatt is allegedly going to be feuding with Ryback next. So all these promos and all this innuendo allegedly are because he is going to be feuding with Ryback. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't think it's terrible, but I sure as fuck don't think it's great. But I will say this. Originally, they were saying that he was going to be feuding with Roman Reigns next, which uh, that that would have been just as bad because Roman Reigns can't cut a fucking promo to save his life. Speaking of which, Adam Rose got murdered to death, killed by Ryback. The only funny thing that came out of that match is for some reason, the, the banana and hot dog dressed Rosebuds thought it would be a good idea to get involved. And of course, Ryback killed them dead. He cut a very, very funny promo. Uh, not funny, but just, it was so random. Like what did the banana say to the hot dog? Nothing because their asses got shell shocked. Such a random and unexpected thing, but it was, it was okay because again, it kind of, it felt genuine. Again, when Ryback, a, a great example, when Ryback goes out there and he's allowed to speak the way he normally speaks, or at least as close to how he normally is, people people feel more, they feel more, you know, uh, um, they feel more drawn to the character because the delivery feels real. Is that necessarily a good thing or a bad thing? Depends on the performer, but... In Ryback's case, the crowd definitely likes it. That's all I'm saying. So, 
Rollins and Dolph Ziggler. Oh my! Oh, this match is gonna suck. That's definitely never something that gets said when Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins are gonna have a match because again, amazing chemistry, great storytelling, great selling as always from Dolph Ziggler. The ending was exactly as you would expect. As uh, Kane was getting ready to come out to kill Seth Rollins dead, the cage comes down. Oh, look, Randall's in the cage. What does that mean? RKO for Seth Rollins. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the pre-Extreme Rules Raw. It was okay. It wasn't terrible, but it definitely could have been better. Anyway, let's get into the other uh, wrestling news of the week. I'm going to share my picks for Extreme Rules, and we are going to wrap it up. So... Before we get into some of that stuff, like I said, I want to talk about the wrestling news of the week and a um, very interesting uh, Ross Report podcast. If you don't listen to Jim Ross's podcast, I don't listen to it often. And um, before I get into that, I'll, I'll explain. I try not to listen to too many shows, again, me personally, that cover a lot of the stuff we cover. Meaning, I try not to listen to too many wrestling podcasts, MMA podcasts, gaming movie only because for just the sake of the creative process i don't want to inadvertently absorb an idea or a saying or a way to deliver something that is reflective of any of the other stuff i listen to i want to try and keep my thoughts content and delivery as original and as in line with who i am as possible but occasionally I'll listen to, you know, a Stone Cold podcast or I'll listen to a Chris Jericho podcast or Taz or Jim Ross. One, because sometimes the stories are just so good that you can't miss them. And two, I always like to listen to it from a technique standpoint because you never know if there's certain terms and certain vernacular and certain things that I may miss that I'd like to implement just from a, a, a more uh, a being from a better for being a better interviewer. That's all I'm saying. But uh, Jim Ross recently had um, WWE Hall of Famer Shawn Michaels on the Ross Report. And um, the crazy thing was that two things came out of that interview. First off, Shawn Michaels had received an offer from the WWE to return back to the ring. Um, they wanted to see him in there at WrestleMania, you know, at, at WrestleMania. And he said, you know, I've already had that offer and I enjoy being retired. And the other thing that was interesting was that Shawn Michaels said that they actually offered him a position on the WWE creative team. And he said, and I quote, it couldn't be a great fit for me. There'd be a lot of stifling, uh, stifling going on. I've been able to sway them to on things other people couldn't. I'd be open to the Pat Patterson gig where you have a couple of projects and you could write in from home about them. And if you're going to be, but if you're going to be there every week, you might as well go back to being an on-air character and make more money. Now it's very interesting because for as much as people like Shawn Michaels, I never really viewed him as a guy that could provide something from a creative standpoint. If anything, I've always felt Shawn Michaels was more of a trainer, a guy that gets people ready to be the next Shawn Michaels. I've never viewed Shawn Michaels as a creative sort of guy. Wrestler? Yes. Trainer? Yes. Creative team guy? No. But it was interesting to see that they actually tried to get him back in there even though he retired. And that was interesting for me because I said to myself, why would you try and bring Shawn Michaels back? The guy's been out of the ring forever, and why would you 
try and have this guy tarnish his legacy. Not to say that he couldn't go out there and have a good match with anyone, but why force the issue when you have such an amazing roster of great talent? Nonetheless, that was something that came out of there that was very cool. The other thing was an interesting news item I heard from the Wrestling Observer that William Regal doing a one-man show uh, in in England, in the UK, excuse me, said that um, NXT was going to start touring and that they would actually be doing shows in, uh, uh, you know, doing an international tour in the future. Now, I think it's very good for the NXT brand, just in term of, in terms of making their performers better, to go on the road and do shows at smaller venues. I think it's been great for them. It helps actually season the performers. It allows them to work better, learn how to work the bigger arenas, the bigger crowds. But again, let's not rush it. Let's take baby steps. Continue to have NXT work smaller venues. Um, you know, don't put NXT in Madison Square Garden, but maybe, you know, showcase a couple of NXT matches during house shows. Maybe have them do like an NXT show at like the Hammerstein or, you know, uh, venues like that that are smaller, but that are good enough to get a lot of people in there. I think it's good for the NXT product. I think it works well. And I think it's something that would really, really be worthwhile in the future. So if they are touring, I think it's a great thing for all parties involved. All right. So while we're on the subject of wrestling podcasts, I did want to talk about Taz for two reasons. Taz uh, recently uh, departed TNA and um, it was it was a shocker to everybody. And Taz, Taz, you know, he, he addressed it on his podcast and he said, um, Pretty much that he asked for his release and he was granted his release. He said, we parted ways mutually, the right way, professionally. I wish him nothing but success. He said, my contract was ending in the summer and I was looking to do other things and moved on. I felt like I accomplished a lot in TNA and TNA accomplished a lot with me. In defense to them, they wanted me to stay. When asked about the rumor, when, you know, addressing the rumor that he didn't make good money. He said, I was very happy with the money I was making. I have no complaint with the money I was making. I would not have stayed in TNA for as long as I did if they weren't taking care of me. Did I feel like I could be making more money? Absolutely. We all feel like that. Everybody wants a raise all the time. That's not why I left. Financially, I was very happy there. So lastly, he addressed a rumor that he had issues with uh, Josh Matthews. He said, me leaving TNA had absolutely nothing to do with my relationship with Josh Matthews. It's not true. I've worked with Josh a long time. Did we have a fallout? Yes, we had a fallout. Did it have anything to do with me leaving TNA? No. He said, uh, why can't two guys have an argument or disagree or end a friendship? And people got to speculate on why that's, you know, on on that being the reasoning why they left. He said, I've wrestled guys that have hated me personally. And I've hated some of them. And we went out there and we had magic and we wrestled and we drew money and busted our ass and took care of each other. I've wrestled many guys that didn't like me. It's called business. While I was working with Josh, I had zero problems with him. Now, here's the thing. Taz, I have I've always been a big fan of Taz, not just because so many people say I look like him, but (laughs) which I've heard dozens of times over the years. But I've always felt that Taz was a very, very good in-ring performer whose career was cut short ahead of his time. That's number one. Number two, I've always felt that Taz as a commentator 
was always kind of stuck in the New York gimmick. And when I say that, you're probably saying, what is the New York gimmick? Well, for those of you that are not New Yorkers and listen to my take radio, I'm sure you'll feel that I have a quote unquote New York accent and that I say certain things that are very New York centric. And I feel that Taz added too much of that to his commentary. Did we really need to hear Yambag on national television? Oh, he got kicked right in the Yambag. Oh, I'm like, all right. Don't it, it, like I can understand if you do it once for like comedic effect or if you find a good a good place to put that, but the commentary just takes a nosedive. And again, don't get me wrong. You got to sprinkle in some comedy, some storytelling, but I always felt that Taz as a color commentator tried too much to add too uh too much New York to to his to his persona on screen. Now I have to admit his his chemistry with Mike Tanay was great because Mike Tanay called the matches. And Jim Ross, I mean Jim Ross, whoof. Taz provided color commentary. It's no different than Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. Is Jerry Lawler a great color commentator? No. Is Jerry Lawler amusing and he adds a, a certain insight? Yes. The same could be said for Joey Styles and ECW. Amazing color guy. Tells a great story. But he always played well off another guy in the booth. Great example. Jim Ross. Color commentator. Amazing storyteller. When you put him and Paul Heyman in the booth during that brief period of time when Lawler wasn't on TV, there was magic. And it was because Paul Heyman provided not only commentary, but he also provided insight, which in turn allowed Jim Ross to play off of him effectively. And that's my thing. As much as I love Taz, I've always felt that as a commentator, Taz tried too much to to be New York instead of just being a good color guy again everybody has a gimmick jerry lawler's gimmick is the dirty old man taz's gimmick shouldn't be you know the new york stereotype it's just he's more than that you know taz is a it has an amazing mind for this business the guy's been in on the road with all of these companies he's wrestled in gyms he's wrestled in huge arenas the guy is an amazing amazing storyteller he is a guy that if i were ever when i was younger and i used to have aspirations of being a wrestler i always wanted to wrestle the the, the style that taz wrestled because i always felt that it was hard hitting it was great and it was technical but it had the right amount of violence sprinkled in where you're like yo that's some hardcore shit and that's you know that doesn't really exist nowadays nowadays you know you're if you're good with suplexes and throws or you have an amateur wrestling background it's there but it's not something that's that that gives you an edge it's just something that's part of your skill set and in taz's case that that you know it was it was just something that was part of his whole persona and yes he left tna is tna going to be better or worse with taz there I couldn't tell you. If Taz came back to the WWE, would I mind? Absolutely not. On the contrary, I'd probably send Taz to NXT and have NXT be Taz, Renee Young, and maybe Corey Graves. I think those three in a booth for NXT would be great. Or I would do Lawler, Taz, and Michael Cole for SmackDown. 
I just think that the chemistry between Cole and Taz was good, and Jerry Lawler would sprinkle in the right amount of humor. Plus, Vince McMahon is not going to be sitting there letting Taz say yambag on national television on the regular. It's not going to happen. As for where Taz's future lies, that remains to be seen, but I'm sure we have not seen the last of the human human suplex machine. That's all I'm saying. All right, so a couple of things I want to rattle off before we wrap things up for this evening. Extreme Rules, of course, is this Sunday on the WWE Network or your local pay-per-view provider. Do yourselves a favor, subscribe to the fucking network. It is $10. Don't pay 60 bucks for this. Anyway, as for the matches themselves, um, I'm going to give you guys my, my picks, and you guys can agree or disagree. So let's talk about the uh, the kickoff show match, which, of course, is Tyson Kidd and Cesaro versus The New Day. As much as The New Day is you know transitioning to being a heel team, I don't think we need a tag team run with them yet because I feel that Kidd and Cesaro are good flag bearers for the division. They work a very good style, have very good chemistry, and I think there's still plenty left in the tank for those guys with a lot of other teams. Plus, I really, really would like to see um, Kidd and Cesaro in an extended feud with uh, the Lucha Dragons. I think that would be really good for them, and I think it would be good in the sense that it would allow the Lucha Dragons to work more of the WWE style on a bigger stage. Plus, it would allow Kid and Cesaro to showcase their unique offense with a team that is just as unique as they are. Winners and retaining Kid and Cesaro. Last man standing match, you got to give it to Roman Reigns in his match with the Big Show. There's no necessity for the Big Show to win this match. If you're trying to get Roman Reigns over, you have to do it and you have to allow him to have a very, very good showing. It can't be some bullshit. It has to be a solid, solid showing. If John Cena can have a good last man standing match, Roman Reigns can too. That's all I'm saying. The Kiss My Arse, Sheamus, and Dolph Ziggler match is just... The stipulation is stupid because it's not extreme in the least. On the contrary, you could have put these guys in a steel cage match. You could have put these guys in a ladder match or a tables match or anything else. But the stipulation for this match alone is stupid. And much like Slick, I really want to see Ziggler win. But I know that the returning Sheamus is not going to go into his first pay-per-view match and lose. So as much as I hate to say it, I think Ziggler's taking the L on this one. And they're going to do it because they want to make Sheamus look good in his first pay-per-view match back. But I also feel that Ziggler will probably either get his win back the following Monday or we will get a rematch. The Chicago Street Fight, Dean Ambrose, Luke Harper. Obviously, on paper, you would think that Luke Harper should win this match, and he may. But me personally, I'm going to pick Ambrose for this match. I think Ambrose really needs to get in the win column. He needs to get out of the gate and really start becoming a more meaningful performer. I think that his crazy man gimmick, his quasi-Brian Pillman gimmick, has pigeonholed him in a place where you can only put him in matches with guys that function under the quote-unquote extreme umbrella and that's not the case I think that Dean Ambrose as a performer is a great wrestler and has a tremendous upside and just needs the right place to showcase it a street fight with Luke Harper will definitely steal the show but I think it is not the place and not the time for Ambrose yet 
I will say that I would like him to win and he is my pick. But again, I have a feeling that creative is going to, is going to swing the, the pendulum towards uh, Luke Harper, but we shall see. Uh, Nikki Bella is going to be squaring off against Naomi. Obviously they use the, the injuries sustained by page to write her off. So it will be Naomi and Nikki Bella as much as the Bellas have been a force in the divas division. I think we need some new blood in there and the new personality change for Naomi may definitely be part of that. I will say this, please, please, please give Naomi a real finisher and stop using the stupid rear view as the finisher because it's fucking stupid and it makes her look like a complete asshole. She can't have a moonsault or something that, that caters to athleticism. No, we got to have a flying ass attack. Stupid. Give her a real finisher. Naomi is my pick. Slick says, not any more stupid than the Superman punch. The Superman punch has its roots in MMA and is a real technique. That's fine. Flying ass attack, stupid. Superman punch, the problem is that when he fucking loads it up like a fucking gun, it looks stupid. Superman punch as a real technique works. Flying ass attack? No. Doesn't work. Fuck out of here. Anyway. Daniel Bryan is supposed to have a match with Bad News Barrett, but that's ba- that's tentative based on uh, some health issues that Daniel Bryan's been dealing with, which allegedly involve injuries that he sustained during the European tour. That's why he hasn't been on TV. He's been resting up. So we'll see if this match happens. I really would like to see it, but I also feel that if Daniel Bryan's going to be injured for the long term, they may do a. It may be wise for them to, uh, you know, put the belt on Bad News Barrett until Daniel Bryan gets better. It couldn't have come at a worse time. I feel Daniel Bryan has tremendous bad luck going into the into these pay-per-views because he's always getting injured or he's always got something going on. I hope that's not the case. I hope he's able to compete on Sunday. And if he is able to compete, he is my pick to win that match. But let's let's be realistic. If he's going to be need extended recovery time, then the smart money would be to put the belt on Barrett. But as of right now, Daniel Bryan would be my, would be my pick for that match. The Russian chain match for the U S title with John Cena and Rusev. Let's not kid ourselves. They didn't go to all this trouble to put the belt on John Cena and put him on the poster and make the champ flag and all this shit. If John Cena was going to lose the belt at the next pay-per-view, as much as I think Rusev has grown as a wrestler There's no necessity for him to get the U.S. title back. On the contrary, he could set his sights on the IC belt, or he may be a good guy to start moving up to the upper card. We'll see what happens. But John Cena definitely not losing. As for the World Heavyweight title street fight, even though the RKO is banned and Kane is the cage door keeper, I have a nagging suspicion that Kane will be a factor in Seth Rollins winning, but not in a way that Seth Rollins will like. Now, obviously, the dissension and the tension that's going on can probably lead to a possible 
uh, feud between Rollins and Kane or Kane and the authority. Who knows at this point, but I will say with much certainty that Seth Rollins is going to keep the belt and retain against Randy Orton. Seth Rollins has had too much energy invested into his character at this point to lose the belt so quickly, especially after such memorable performances, both in his match with Randy Orton and just the ending for WrestleMania that you would take that all away in a month. Don't see it happening. All right, so ladies and gents, those are my picks. With that said, that is going to wrap up this week's episode of My Take Radio. Before we wrap things up, just a quick reminder, even though we did not have video this week, video of this episode will be available on our two YouTube channels, mytakeradio.com, excuse me, um, youtube.com forward slash mytakeradiotv, and also youtube.com forward slash official rageworks. Of course, you can also find the episode on rageworks.net. And of course, if you want to get audio versions of the show, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. But the best My Take Radio experience by far is the official My Take Radio app. It is $1.99 and it's available for iOS, Android, and Windows mobile devices. If you have an Android device, you're heading to the Amazon Android Marketplace to pick it up there. For iOS, of course, you're heading to iTunes. And for Windows Mobile, you are heading to the Windows Store, both on your Windows 8 devices and on your Windows Mobile devices as well. You'll be able to pick up the app there. You get 96K stereo episodes of the show and official content that is released to the app before it is released to the general public. We actually have a brand new episode of My Take Radio Behind the mic, heading your way within the next week or so with uh, the real Brian from ProfitCast. And guess what? App owners are getting that first as usual before it is released to the general public. As always, it's $1.99, available for Android, iOS, and Windows mobile devices. With that said, let's wrap things up and take it out of here, shall we? You've just heard My Take Radio, episode 288, which broadcasted live Thursday, uh, excuse me, Wednesday, April 22nd, 2015. And of course, you can catch My Take Radio live every Wednesday and Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. On Wednesdays, we're covering MMA and wrestling. And on Thursdays, we are covering gaming and entertainment. As I said before, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and tune in radio on behalf of myself and the rest of the mtr and rageworks family thank you guys for your continued support thank you guys for tuning in and we will be back thursday april 23rd 2015 at 11 p.m eastern 8 p.m pacific for our gaming and entertainment edition of the show all right guys i'm out of here peace